0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is on. competition, it's on. competition, is on. competition, is on. competition, is on. competition, is on. competition, it's on. competition, it's And this is a very special edition of Hard in the Paint. Um, A tough, tough weekend for the New Orleans Pelicans, starting 0-2. And And we're going to do that with the one and only Dino, the Dean Hanson, my man, my brother. And it's been too long since we've talked. How are you doing today? My brother. Always a pleasure to be on with you, talking what we know, what we love, man, basketball. And... Sports as a whole, I'm doing as but as well as everybody else can be, given the circumstances of what is going on in this country in our world and everything else and uh, you know of course, all my best to you uh, your sister-in-law and of course to Desiree with uh, your sister-in-law catching the uh, virus so you guys are always in my prayers, man you know you but you, you know I love you. And Desiree and Natalia, like, y'all are family, brother. So, I mean, literally <laughs> cut from the same jib, if you will, yep. brother. Yep, yep. And um, the biggest part of that is that we're both two very honest people. And we say what we think and we think what we say. And um, and have the experience and background to be able to do it. <laughs> right. We prepare to prepare for these things, it's not just talking out of orifices, we prepare. <laughs> and, and have the experiences yes. having played the game, having coached the game, having been intricately involved with the game at a high level. So we aren't, as I tell people, we aren't fans of the game. We are students. Of the game, and there's a big difference. Man. Yeah, I love the game of basketball. It is a part of my life. It is not <laughs> something that that I just could let go. You know, I, I, a long time ago, somebody asked me, "Would you rather have no eyes or no legs?" And I said, "Take away my eyes, because at least <laughs> I can still play ball. <laughs> I might be blind, <laughs> but I still play ball." You know, <laughs> but now. Well, <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I've been posed that same question in regards to the injuries that I've had. And I've told people, I said, listen, if the most high was to have a conversation with me in the middle of the night and go, okay, Dino, I will give you one more year of being able to play pro ball. Yes. He was like, I didn't finish the question yet. Yes. And even though he finishes the question, he goes, but at the, at the end of that one year, because you've had so many hip issues and now back issues, I've got to take away your right leg. I go, I'm going to play ball, man. Let's go. I get that one more. <laughs> get that one more because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like running up and down the court with your friends, your teammates, competing for something, and whether or being in that locker room with each other and looking and across at that next guy's face. And either knowing you accomplished what you came there to do or knowing what the next day is going to be like in practice. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And just that overall team connectivity of us against everybody. Yep. And there is no greater feeling than knowing that you have 12, 15 guys on your squad. I tell people all the time, some of my best games I ever had, We're on the road simply because I loved everyone hating me and hating our team. There's no greater feeling than to be able to walk into somebody's arena or gym, beat them on their home court, send them home, and their fans depressed. Man, if that doesn't make you excited to ball with your teammates, whoo, you don't know what that level is, man. And you're right, Dave. I mean, to, to, to know that you and I can look at the same situation and see it. That's like when people used to ask, well, how did I know that David was going to throw me an alley-oop? And I'm like, well, we've seen these scenarios and we've prepared, as you alluded to in the beginning, we have prepared ourselves for this situation that we don't have to say anything of, Dave, throw it up to me. Just a quick glance of him assessing the same situation I am let us both know what we're going to do dude to have five guys on the court at the same time doing that oh my gosh it is the best feeling in the world man to know that when i set a screen or slip screen and the way you're going to roll and the way you're going to drop the dime and the way i'm going to get double team and kick it out to you knowing where you are i'm like the reason why we make it look so effortlessly is because we've done it so many times. We've talked about it when we're watching film. You know, we play with the same level of energy and passion. Dude, there's nothing like it. There's no. nothing like it. I couldn't imagine my life without having played ball. I, couldn't, I, I can't imagine. No, no. And it's like you said, here I am with 20 some. you know, 30 years past for me. Yeah, now it's well, not 30 years, but, you know, 25-plus years since I played serious serious games uh-huh. and but the teammates we still talk you know these are, the, yeah. these are still my guys and it's like <laughs> no matter what level we came in in life you know some cats came from rough backgrounds some of us were middle class dudes yeah but we were all on the team and, and that right. stuff the arguments you had in the locker room none of that stuff matters not on the street cuz we team we we we, we it we is team. a it is a lifelong brotherhood that is unlike anything else imaginable and it was funny I was going to post uh, my freshman year it was funny I was going to post my freshman year and you know at the beginning of every basketball season you have your like at Oregon we had our green and gold scrimmage you know I'm sure at work y'all had y'all black and gold scrimmages on the school you know what I'm saying so we have our interest squad scrimmage to start off every year well that being said as a freshman who's still my boy to this day, dude named Randy Grant out of New York City, Uptown, Sugar Hill, all right? So he was a bad boy on the court and off the court, if you will. All well, right? See, that's, a, that's a different environment. That's a, Sugar Hill to Eugene, that's culture shock. Like, it's one thing from New Orleans to Eugene. New York City, Uptown? <laughs> Say, bro. Bruh. So, literally, he and I used to get into it almost on a daily basis. And, again, I'm a freshman without realizing at that time it was a, a recycling of what you go through on the high school level. You know, when you're a freshman, you're upperclassmen, they dictate everything. They're the ones that are on the freshman back. The freshmen don't get the call. You name it, so on and so forth. Well, anyway, long story short, two days before our intra-squad scrimmage, he and I get into it. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not taking this no more. Bro, we walking down the hallway. Once practice is over, we're going down the stairs. I see a trash can. Again, I'm a New Orleans dude, man. You ain't going to just, I don't care where you're from, all right? Man, the aluminum up, trash can or the plastic? I picked up the aluminum trash all can. All right, you got to paint the full picture for folks. I'm, I I picked up the aluminum trash can, and as I pick it up, one of the other juniors who was also best friends with him, my boy Brett Coffey from Nebraska, He sees me picking up the trash can and getting ready to bash Randy over the back of the head with the trash can. Now, mind you, at that time, Randy probably weighed about a good 215, 220. I'm a freshman, so I'm still at 175, 180. So I know, and he's 6'7". I'm 6'4". So I'm like, hey, listen, it's going to be what it's going to be now. (laughs) I pick up the trash can, bro, and I – Get, I'm getting ready to start running down towards Randy. My boy, Brett, comes behind me. He was like, man, come here. What is wrong with you? Are you out of your mind? I use a few choice words. Randy turns around and he looks to start and starts I'm, laughing. And I'm still heated. And he's laughing. And I'm thinking he's laughing at me. So now they really got to hold me back. He goes, freshman, I just wanted to make sure that when we go in this foxhole, I can count on you to be in this hole with me. Now the coaches knew we had beef every day. Mm-hmm. And in typical coach fashion, what team does the head coach put me on for that inter scrimmage? The same team with Randy. All right? Two days later. Now the day in between that, we didn't talk. Two days later, we're on the same inter scrimmage. Long story short, he and I wound up being the leading scorers <laughs> And we beat the upperclassmen. So I was like, he was like, dude, I just had to make sure that in any situation, as a veteran, that you were the guy I could count on as a freshman. And Dave, you know, as a freshman, you don't get to hang out with the upperclassmen, like talking about it. You got to earn your stripes. Mm -hmm. I wound up being a freshman, first off the bench on a regular basis and so on and so forth as a freshman. But again, I had to remind myself, you had to earn that level of respect. And what you did in high school means nothing anymore because when you go to college, everybody was the man on their high school basketball That's team. right. And I respected that about him once I became an upperclassman to understand you got to set the tone and set the culture. And it's funny, I lead into that because I know we're going to start talking Pelicans and setting the tone and the culture. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so let's let's start with, the pelicans all right let's go right into it oh and two narrow loss to the jazz let's start there um what were your impressions justin i thought they came out flat in that game there wasn't a lot of energy from the outset um obviously the turnovers were a problem they had 29 total turnovers in three previous games against the jazz they get 20 in this one um the shooting was not good from anyone outside of Brandon Aaron for a stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just – it was not the kind of performance that you wanted to see out of them, especially coming off of what they did to Milwaukee. I don't count the first two preseason games. Those were against nonsense opponents, teams that are not going to do nothing. So you come – I mean, even the – i am not Denver's not going to do nothing, but that lineup that they put on the floor, that wasn't their normal lineup. Mm-hmm. But you go to – you play Milwaukee, you play it, you show defense, you protected the rim fairly well, you didn't turn it over a ton. They did have a bunch in the first half. But they come out against Utah and all the energy seemed like it was gone. Whether Zion, We'll get to Zion Webster in a moment. But from a team standpoint, energy, execution, decision-making, terrible. Well, the one thing I know amongst many other things that you and I agree upon is that the Pelicans are – consistent people said they aren't consistent they're consistent negatively (laughs) consistent yes okay that's the bad thing about it is that let's go beyond the statistics and i tell people that all the time it's very easy to spew out statistics pluses and minuses and and well we did this better than them okay but let me give you a basketball perspective and why we watch video and the reason why we break down a basketball game. It doesn't even matter, like we said we're gonna get to Zion later on, it doesn't even matter if Zion has a minus 17 or 18 or 19. In certain situations, you want players out there because of their presence and the impact that they can have upon the game. So against Utah, they played no defense. They lack execution all the time, you are in a bubble. And even with the noise of the crowd that is being pumped in there, you can still hear when players are talking on the floor. Dave, we do not communicate at all. And aside from the little surface, oh, this person is mic'd up on the sideline. No, 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 no. I need to be yelling at Dave, what's going on? They need to be yelling at me, get over the top of the screen. Help me through the screen. What's going on? That's effective communication. People mistake somebody running hard up and down the floor as that being the necessary effort. Every coach I've ever had has always said, and I would tell other kids as well, you don't have to be fast to play basketball, but you have to be quick. And quick is mental. Quick Quick is mental. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, that's great that you are running like a bat out of hell, but where are you running to and what are you running that hard for? Do you understand you don't need to go that route when you are thinking quickly? When what you is are a great st- John Wooden statement be quick, be quick, quick, don't hurry, don't hurry, Dave. I'm not trying to knock the Pelicans, and I think what people mistake as when we are. Honest. Constructively critiquing and being honest. What makes a team win? How do you get winning and, 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 and concepts down to build consistency? They take it as if you're speaking negative. It has nothing to do with that. At some point in time, as a coach, if I'm playing for Dave... There's only so much that you can do as a coach to the point that you're gonna be like, Dino, when are you gonna take it personally that this kid is putting up points on you like you are non-existent? That doesn't bother you. No. Like it doesn't like it doesn't impact you at all. Like, where is your competitive edge and your wherewithal? We don't ever see them taking things defensively as an insult when offensive players are playing against them. All right. Additionally, we don't close down lanes. We don't rotate on defense. We're always a step behind. And I'm going to say this, this is not to knock Alvin Gentry, but you are, and you play in the games the way you are at practice. If you don't do it at practice, you're not going to do it all of a sudden in a game. That's not the way it works. Practice habits lead to great game habits. And even though we won the rebounding battle, even though it was a good look, a good look by Brandon Ingram at the end, and yeah, if it goes in, hey, we're probably not even having a conversation about Utah. But Brandon had missed his last three or four shots, I believe JJ wide open at the top who was in a good rhythm. It does not diminish what you had done, Brandon, to make that one extra pass to JJ at the top who had been in a good rhythm, who is a veteran leader, even though he doesn't, he's not a vocal leader, which this team still lacks because you don't know who the leader of this team is. Drew is never going to be that, but, why not make that one extra pass? I thought he got into hero ball at the end, if well, you will, Dave. You talk about those 6.9 seconds he gets the ball. And 6.9 yeah. is an eternity in the NBA. Absolutely. you can go in the end in three seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it too many times. We've seen you it In the end, three seconds. There was no holding on the inbound. There was no, he didn't have to fight to receive the ball. He caught it, and there was a casual. One, two, three dribbles to that spot. And like you said, JJ is coming across. Not only do you have JJ who's been in rhythm, but JJ also knows how to draw fouls. Yes. And at a last minute shot, when you have an opponent who's desperate, we know that guys reach and foul jump shooters. Mm-hmm. JJ, at the very least, and we saw him do it against um, Sacramento earlier in the season, mm-hmm. get the pump fake, and you get guys to go into you. And so at the very least you're at the line to tie or win that ball game. Uh, You know, or you've gotten a better shot from a more accurate three-point shooter. From the moment Brandon caught the ball, he (laughs) had made his mind up. He was going to take the shot. He had decided that. The turnovers and the carelessness with the basketball, let's be honest, Dave, it is consistently an issue, has been, not only this season before there was a stoppage in the season last year, the season before that. And still, as we go into a bubble, it's the same situations. If you don't value the basketball, you are playing against any other. It doesn't matter what NBA team that you're playing against. If you don't value the basketball, you give other teams a chance to feel as if they're in the game. They can compete at a high level and you give them opportunities to score. It's just that simple. That is 20 trips down the court that you got nothing. And on top of that, they finished with seven fast break points. So I don't want to hear, you know, people say, well, Utah had 20 turnovers too. But Utah turned your Pelicans turnovers into points. points. You didn't turn their turnovers into points. We did not capitalize off of their turnovers. We compounded it by taking bad, ill-advised shots, or we would turn the ball right back over to them. And you give up 50-plus points in the paint again. So again, that shows 56 points in the paint. And that shows, again, you are either not protecting the paint at all on the back end, which they don't have people who are blocking shots. Jackson Hayes is not prepared to hold down the lane. He retreats when there is contact coming. He can only block shots in space. That is the only way Jacks can block shots. And then the front line, the guards were not stopping the ball. And you allow people. hmm. Jordan Clarkson, who is a streaky player, you allowed him to get in the rhythm because he was living at the paint. He was living (laughs) at the rim. Another reason why you and I are brothers, because that's the other part that I was just about to touch on. People don't understand when we say protecting the paint. They automatically equate that to, well, the big guys. And you're like, no, you see, that's the difference between being a fan and understanding and being students of the game. What's the deal? How you feel with noise Sway forth and back. the four five six your head Mark Morrison, return the So one of the things that you were talking about is the importance of guards defending the paint, that it's not just on the bigs. You know being a former big, as crazy as it may sound, at 6'5", I had to play the post very early on in my career. So I, I understood what guards had to do and what they had to go through once I became a guard. Because as you know, at 6'5", you can't play the post. At 6'5", you're a guard. So I learned, excuse me, post-guard defensive principles and relationships very early on. Being a big, it was my responsibility, just like a safety in football, to be that anchor, to see everything that was going on around me and dictate what was happening, who needed to be where. But that being said, once I was able to transition to where I had to become a guard, I also understood that it wasn't my big's responsibility to take care of me. It was my responsibility to not put my big in a position where he had to help me out and take care of me, not defending. And I say that in a sense of defense is predicated on, yes, man ball relationship, always there. But after, whomever it is that I'm guarding. Let's say, for instance, Drew Holiday or Lonzo was guarding Jordan Clarkson. Well, it's my responsibility, once Jordan Clarkson picks up his dribble, to literally be all over him to make it difficult for him to get that passed off. We work on this in practice, Dave, as you know. It's ball deflections. It's making yourself busy and active to not allow someone to make an easy pass. It's also my responsibility to own my man, if you will, where my big doesn't have to save me every time. So the play isn't dead just because Jordan Clarkson makes a pass on the right side of the court to, let's say, a Donovan Mitchell. No, I'm not done because then Jordan Clarkson is moving, and if he's moving and I'm not moving, now the pressure is on my big man. My big man has to come out of his position. It's a level of accountability. Everybody was held accountable on the defensive end. So it's not just the bigs who are letting a Rudy Gobert be impactful in the paint. No, that's because our perimeter defense is bad and guys are penetrating to the lane with ease we don't make it difficult for anybody but dave something you and i have been talking about for years but what do we see everybody sure makes us defend sure makes us be uncomfortable though the defensively the way i look at it all the time is there's three levels once you cross half court there's the beyond the three-point line there's the area between the three-point line and the free-throw line, which we call, you know, we call a free-throw line extended. And then mm-hmm. the free-throw line extended down to the circle or the front of the but, rim. Mm-hmm. The guards' jobs, once you get to that top level and that second level, like you said, they're supposed to be funneling. That's what you yes. want to see out of your guards. Physically funneling to where the defense is supposed to be based on your principles. You mm-hmm. didn't see funneling. We saw guards able to go around the side. We saw guards able to attack from the center. We saw saw guards guards doing whatever they wanted to do. Unimpeded. Unimpeded. (laughs) And when you do that, like you said, you set up your bigs for failure, especially when you have bigs on your team that are not great at rotation. Because what people forget is once you have messed up on the perimeter and that guard is by your guards, and my big, whether it's favors, whether it's jacks, whomever, and they step up. Now I have left an empty, vacated space from wherever I left. And it's up to that three or that two to drop into that space and to make sure that there is no secondary pass. We and have put, put our big, we have put our bigs on an island, which the bigs and that they're we not have, good enough. Exactly. That's the point. They are not good enough. And the other aspect is once that perimeter offensive player does get through, we play terrible help defense. We don't help and recover. And, Dave, you know the one saving grace that you have as a defender, if you get beat, if you communicate and talk, that saves your lifeline from being beat that means that that wing player can pull on mine and instead of me getting back to mine i'm gonna run and take care of yours it's help and recover help and recover but when you're communicating which we don't ever hear because we don't have those kind of guys on this team bro we're gonna find ourselves in these positions the pelicans in the bubble are the same Pelicans that was in the season prior to the stoppage? Is the same team that was last year? Is the same team that was the year before that? You are who you are. Your identity and your culture hasn't changed. It doesn't change all of a sudden in the game, even though you've never been doing it in practice. Practice translates into the games. And what you're seeing is a very lackluster and laxadaisical effort on the defensive end. How plain much plain and simple? How much does the fact that Jeff Bisdelic, who is and we know it, Jeff Visdelic can be a jerk. People cannot like him at times. And at the beginning of the season, we heard the Pelicans didn't particularly like the way he was talking to them. But Fred Vinson, as much as we love Freddie Vincent for what he's done for this team. Correcting shots for Lazo, correcting Bi, helping um, Zion. In charge of this defense right now, where you like you said, you have guys who are not talkers. You do not have guys who are not necessarily stoppers. You're, you you know you have Drew Holiday who is an individual defender, but Drew is not going to be the guy to tell everybody else you got to be here here here. Not during the game. In no. the timeout, sure. But on the floor, that's not – he's just in his – I got to stop this. Mm-hmm. Eric Favors is a great back line defender, but, again, not a talker and not a leader in that group. So what you have, then, is you need somebody to kick you in the ass. And Bisdelic mm-hmm. is not there to do that. And they said, well, we talk with him on a regular basis. That ain't the same as having that dude grab you by the collar – and yeah. say, we are not allowing this. And I'm gonna, we're going to point this out because we talked about this offline. Early in that game, Zion Williamson gets his three-point play. And you say, oh, okay, physical. He's going to be physical in there. Very next sequence, Joe Ingles is coming down the court unimpeded. Zion Williamson has his opportunity. No physicality. You do not send Joe Ingles to the ground. We ain't say it got to be a chief shot. And got it, but you this is the playoffs for the Pelicans. You give a playoff foul and you send a signal to the Jazz that you will not, you will not just come into the paint. And that's You're setting. Of, we've never seen Zion Wilson get five fouls in a game. We've never seen Jackson Hayes gets fouls because he's reaching, not because he's being physical. He gets There's fouls because no, he's late, because he's late reacting, because he is out of position. Uh, you know things that should not be occurring for a big on the defensive end. He doesn't play with his head on a swivel. Everything is the pass is made, the cut is made. Now let me go. He's as watching the ball. To, He's watching the ball as man. opposed to as opposed to beating that player there. You don't let them or wait till they get to that position because by the time you get there, hence you get fouls. You're late. So with that being said as you were referring to or alluding to with Zion, you have to set the tone. If this is what you've been waiting to get back to do, because that's all you've been talking about. You've been waiting to get back and play ball at a high level. And especially, Dave, if you know you're only allotted a certain amount of minutes on the floor, you pound. have to make, you gotta make those minutes impactful immediately you got to set the tempo, the tone, and the intensity level. You might be 20 years old, and I understand you're putting a lot of pressure, but that's what comes with being the number one draft pick, is that you are held to a different standard. Like it or not, it's what it is. We've seen you make plays here or there. He he just doesn't have the bounce. For some reason – there is something more that is going on there that is not being told. So, in that position, nobody on this team, and that's great that we have a team of really good guys. That's, that's fantastic. You know, we've seen the improvement in the aggressiveness from Brandon Ingram, who has been a – Who's a dog. A I think right- Brandon is a dog. Oh, absolutely. Not, again, he's just absolutely. not that guy. He's a dog. Yeah, he's, I'd have exactly. him in the fight. Absolutely. But there's a different level that it's just not on these guys, on this team. And, again, it's not a knock on any of them. You know, just like you mentioned, Drew, we all know, is one of the most underrated ball-on-ball defenders in the league. We've seen him shut other superior guards down. Guards, forwards. (laughs) Whomever is in front of him, we've seen him do that. They don't understand the importance of team defense. You know, you see stretches. And to be good, there's a difference between being a contender and a pretender. We've seen stretches. That's what pretenders do. Contenders do it over a period of time consistently. And those are just the basketball fundamental aspects that this team is missing. So when it comes to coach Bizdelic being there, yes, absolutely. Talking to him on the phone today, as opposed to when you're going out on the court tonight, you get two different coaches because you get a coach who's in the heat of the battle at the moment, who's seeing what's going on and making the proper adjustments. But then he's also holding you accountable as a coach in the middle of the day at 1130. I can tell you what you're doing wrong. I can tell you you have a different voice than you do during in-game situations. It just is what it is. He'd be the one standing next to Alvin saying, get his ass out. Yeah. He's not doing it. I need to talk yeah. to him. Give him to me mm-hmm. right now. That's what you're yeah. that's what you paid him to do to come. And in- I find it funny. I also find it funny, Dave, when 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 you touched upon the fact that players were saying that he was being too hard on them, and I'm like What? Unless he's demeaning you, unless he's calling you out your name and and demeaning. Look, that's the job of defense. Defense is not a polite side of the basket. No. Pat Riley, three hour defensive practices where the shot clock is off. You're like, you go, (laughs) you don't have to be the best basketball player in the world. To play defense. Defense is just mere desire, attitude, effort, and willingness, and understanding angles. If you know you can't play up on somebody because you are slow of foot, you if at them every now and then to make them think, but you still remember, I got to get up and then get right back off of them. You aren't putting yourself in a... Being a defender is simply saying, okay, I have studied your, you know, your idiosyncrasies. I have made it a point to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Let me put you in a position that is going to be uncomfortable for you but going to work for my advantage. Because and I know defensively when I get my scouting report, no matter who it is, these are the spots this guy shoots from. This is what he does to get comfortable my, like you said, my job is to make him uncomfortable. uncomfortable. He can't get to his spot, but even if he gets there, my job is to be un- make him uncomfortable. And it's the fundamentals yeah. of: are you on your toes or are you on your feet? Because if yep. you're flat-footed or if you're on your toes, I'm the, the offensive player is looking for those weaknesses. Are you yes. open or are you are you on ball? You know, Absolutely. are you shading to a side that allows them to get around you? Are you and your teammates communicating screens? All of those things. So when we move into game two with with um the Clippers, to me the Clippers that ain't about that ain't about they turned it over again, but it wasn't about that. For the Clippers, it was a complete lack of. You see, they come out and shoot, make nine threes in the first quarter. Okay, the first adjustments I'm making is nobody gets it at the at the three point line. You run, run them off, off the line. The line. And yet they get seven more threes in the second quarter, and the game is over. The game is over at halftime because you would not run people off the line. And it that, they were not scoring inside of the line. They were not – You and I – you and I just said run them off the line at the exact same time that we were talking over each other. Cause you're sitting here and you're like, this is not brain surgery. You know what they're doing. And then on top of that, not only are they doing it, they are doing it with no resistance whatsoever. And then thirdly they are in a, not just a good, but a great rhythm, not just a good rhythm, Paul George was so locked and loaded to the point you should have been meeting Paul George at a half court. He didn't make a shot inside of the three-point arc. Paul George did not make a single shot inside of the three-point line. So what does that tell you? And you saw it against the Clippers (laughs) and the Lakers. Where was Paul George hanging out? At the three-point line the entire game against the Lakers. So you know if you watched the film – this is what he wants to do. His first game back against the Pelicans when Paul George was out. Remember, all those, we was out with the shoulders. The shoulders. Yes. Back his first game back with the Pelicans. He was shooting threes, was he not? Yeah. So you watch this dude every time you play, Paul George is hanging out at the three point line, and you ain't there. They're missing Montrez Harrell. They're missing, their, that's their best interior player. You're, they're missing him. They are missing Lou Will. They're okay, missing so chicken wings. Yeah. And, and Marcus Morris hadn't had a decent game for them since he got to L.A. Not since he got there. Absolutely and not. Before the game, I asked Alvin, because in the three games prior against the Clippers, the most dominant players for them, not the guards, it was except the reserves. J.J. was averaging like 14 a game against them. Each one was averaging 14. J.J. was averaging 17. Derek Favors was averaging 19. Um, Jax was averaging 10. Um, Jaleel was averaging 10. They were inside out against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. They didn't do any of that. Nothing, they didn't do any of that against the Clippers Nothing. in this game. All season, their success against the Clippers had been inside out. Drew did not play well in any game against the Clippers this year, Lonzo did not play well in any game against the Clippers this year. So, why are you determined? to do this from the outside when that has not worked against them and they took away their best interior defender because he can't be there and you still didn't crush him on the inside. You still did not attack, but you David, you know why they didn't do it? Because that's not their identity nor who they are. They do it every blue moon. It's a situation where it's almost as if they don't understand other teams' tendencies. It's as if they don't pay attention to what is going on. Dave, this is the other aspect. When we talked about effort, at some point in time, your pride should kick in and say, I am tired of Paul George having his way with me. Paul George decided what you were going to do, and you had better accept it and like it. And that's exactly what they did. They showed no fight whatsoever. And ironically enough, I used this reference yesterday watching Portland against the Boston Celtics, not to change anything up. Mm-hmm. But Portland was down 24 points. But you, as crazy as it may sound, and you see, this is where I tell people about statistics and how much they don't mean anything to me. Even though Portland was down 24, as crazy as it may sound, Portland had this mindset like they felt like they still weren't out the game. Mm-hmm. Portland was playing and getting up and down the court, still doing what they normally do. But you, you never got the total sense that Portland felt like they were ever out of that game. Nope. And a couple of plays here... But what they tightened up on was the defense. They started making it tougher for Jason Tatum to not just get his shot off, but to even prevent him from getting to his spots where he was comfortable. The same thing with Brown. The exact same thing with Marcus Smart. They started, and it only took a few things to happen on that defensive end that ramped up their energy on the offense. And you saw Portland's bench also become more engaged. Now, mind you, yes, Portland lost the game, but you felt like their effort and the impact and the adjustments that they made is what turned it around for them. Portland plays with a mindset of, no matter what, we are not out of a game. And who's the identity there? Exactly. I mean, we're talking about a dude who does not believe that he is any less than any other player in this league. And, and Dave, I know you saw it. He also decided to say what? Jason Tatum is killing us. I got Jason Tatum from now on. I'm gonna lock him up. I'm gonna make him uncomfortable. And what else when did they your do? Super? What else did they do? It, on defense and office, because on office, what did they decided to do? Get Melo oh, some touches in his spot. They got Melo's. CJ's touches? touches in his spot. Here's the other thing they did. They started using Nurkic and used that paint in that post area. 24. It was points. like, you know what? We got an advantage. Let's go in here until we get ourselves Boston going has in. a big donut in the middle. And just <laughs> like the Clippers had a big donut <laughs> in the middle, <laughs> you attack the hole in the donut. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so puzzling and frustrating at the same time. It's just like, what are you not seeing? What are you not understanding about what's happening in the game right now as we speak? And I have never seen more of a dismantling of a basketball team in every aspect. But what made it hard for me to watch was not only were, were we being dismantled, it was the fact that we didn't even show any resistance to it. You saw J.J.'s what? face. And that well, wasn't about J.J. That was J.J. thinking about the other guys. And, like, I didn't come down – and we talked about this all lot. J.J.'s 36 years old. Yeah. 36. Left his family up in Brooklyn, came down here, sacrificing, said, hey, I've been in the playoffs every year in my career. I got one more shot this year. I want to mm-hmm. take advantage of this. And then he's watching his teammates. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't ever want to put get inside a man's heart and say he don't give a damn, but I'm going to say this. They didn't give a professional effort. That's what I'll say. They no. did not give a professional no. effort. They did not compete. And there's a big difference. And I think that you – competing is more than the act of playing the game versus an opponent. Competing is something that lives inside of you. Yes. It, it's, it's part is, of your DNA. It's part of your character. It's part of your makeup. That's why it was literally – it. I felt as if Alvin was insulting me personally after the game when he said, well, I thought we played hard. That's not where we lost the game at. And I'm like, Alvin, I don't know what game you were watching, but not only did we not compete nor play with effort, but if you think that's what playing hard is, you don't need to be on that sideline. I'm sorry. There is – we did nothing Zilch. There's nothing positive nothing. you can take out of that game. And I don't want to hear people, before we move on to the Zion question, I don't want to hear people talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker's 15 points in garbage time and say, well, he deserves one minute. Because <laughs> we saw, we've seen Nikhil all year. We saw him in the three preseason games where he shot it too much, turned it over too much. That Those minutes mean nothing to me. You, know, you know, mm-hmm. I got 15 when the game wasn't on the line anymore well, exactly. he as it pulled off the dogs. I'm up 35. I don't really care what your little Nikhil Alexander Walker is doing at this point. We just try not to get hurt because we got games to play. Nikhil doesn't understand when you are in a school zone, you got to go 20 miles an hour. When you are driving through a rural town and it says 35 miles an hour, you got to go 35. He go thinks park. every You, you, you know park. He thinks every time he has the ball, he has to be a Ferrari. And I'm like, that is not how you run a team nor let me show you how fast of the court I can go as I turn the ball over. No! No! You need to be able to assess a situation know when to push it, know when to pull it, know when to – well, first of all, as a point guard, you're supposed to always be directing traffic. You're supposed to always be dictating and telling your guys where to go. But as you alluded to, that 15 in garbage time meant nothing to me, okay? It had no impact upon the game whatsoever. And all that did to me was – excuse me – continue to allow Nikhil to think, What I'm doing is right, then. What I'm doing is right, then. And you're like, no, Nikhil, I need to get you to understand how a team runs and works. This is how you become an effective point guard and leader. This is how you make an impact, okay? And they don't understand change of speed, change of direction. They think either I got to go 100 miles an hour or at zero. And I'm like, guys, you do realize it's an ebb and a flow. You have to know when to burst and when to look and slow and assess and direct to put your team in a position to say, we need to run offense right now. I need you over here. I need you over here. Come off this screen as opposed to, I got the ball in my hand. Let me fly the court. No, because then you take an ill-advised bad shot. You have nobody down the court with you rebounding, and you're back on it. That's just can't, like a turnover. Yeah, you can't be the point guard and lead – unless you're Trey Young or Steph Curry or Allen Iverson, you cannot be the point guard and lead your team in shot attempts every time you play. You can't, every time you play. Nikhil, every, every game he's been in, he's had the most shot attempts. And that's not, that's not a good recipe for anything not on all, your basketball team. Especially because I think people – I tell this people all the time – Point guard is the hardest position to trans transition to from college to the NBA. Because mm-hmm. in college, the skills, the skill level of guards is so much different. And yes. the, the lanes are so much more open. Mm-hmm. There's none of that window in the NBA. These guys have nope. hands that are too quick, the windows too quick. close too fast. And he doesn't understand everybody's responsibilities. Like you said, the point guard needs to know where everyone is supposed to be on every play. Yep. Yes, sir. Get them in those spots. When you see, if you see some, um, if if Jack if Jax is over here and he's coming off too wide on that screen, then you ain't going for Jax. That play has been messed up. What's the backup? Nikhil does not have a plan B. But again, that that also that also tells me that anytime you're complaining about a coach coaching you hard, it's not the coach. It's you. It's you. Because personally, I love – and this has always been me. I, 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 as much as I didn't want to be on Twitter, I mentioned it the other day. I said, you know what? Out of all the coaches I've had, I wish – and you and I have talked to Pop after games. I wish I could have played for Greg Popovich. I honestly do. Because of the simple fact, Pop gets the best out of you in here. And that translates into here. It's coached you wanna, hard with a purpose. Purpose. It, it, a not purpose. just to be coaching, not just to be yelling or screaming. Showing my or, man, Exactly. I'm trying to get you and, – and, and, I, and I love that about Coach Pops. Think about it. Nobody's Spurs to go down there and win their first two games. Even though one was against Washington, still, they they use that game to build upon their momentum to get that I know, I counted him out. Same thing with me. Bruh, see, the reason why I never count San Antonio out when San Antonio's in there is because of Pop. If you give Pop a certain amount of time to game plan, he's a master genius at it, bruh. The one thing he you did. know, too, is whether it's him or Spolstra or Budenholzer or, um, you know, even Frank Bogle, because it's not like the Lakers' offense has been a thing of beauty, mm-hmm. but they have given consistent effort through all of those games. And every one of those teams, it has started on the defensive end, defense. where hey, I mean Vogel said it yesterday. We and they lost. The Lakers lost. They got hey, they got. I mean not yesterday, but they got showing up. But we'll talk about that in a second too. But yeah, the defense is where it has to start, and it's a mindset, and it's an accountability mindset. It's about I play for you, and, and they all, Pelicans use that all the time. We got to play for each other. They say it all the time. Talking I- about it, in action, two different things. They're two totally different things, and you can see when teammates are playing for each other. You can see it. It ain't on the stat sheet. It ain't a plus or minus. You see it. There's this thing that you and I have, it's called the eyeball test. You can see when guys are playing for each other, when they genuinely like playing with each other, and when they genuinely respect each other. Now, you don't have to like everybody that's on your team, but you're gonna respect and hold each other accountable knowing that this guy has got my back. We ain't gotta be best of friends. You could be doing one thing when you leave to go home. I could be doing something totally different. That's fine. But at this particular juncture, we need to be on one common thread to be on the same page for team success. And we have not shown a propensity to do that. One place that seems not to be on the same page is how the Pelicans are dealing with Zion Williamson. Um, Look, I I understand – what David Griffin is saying. And I do believe that you're ultimately looking out for the future. This season was not supposed to be a championship season, but you put yourself in that position. You put yourself in a position to go after the playoffs. That is your job is to go to the playoffs. That's always the job to give yourself a potential, to, the opportunity to win a championship, no matter what the season is. If it's there, take it. If it's shot. for the taking, you go for it. So now – the Pelicans in a position where basically to get into the postseason, they have to go at worst, at worst, six and two, because you got two more games. If you have to play the eight, they can't go any worse than that. But you're really talking about seven and one or eight. No, is what you are really talking about over the streets. This is a team that has never won more than four games this season in a row. They've never done better than seven and three over any 10-game stretch this season. It's damn near impossible for them to make the postseason, and yet you ain't getting no minutes out of your number one pick. He ain't got to play 40, but he should be out there running. Dave, even with the 15 minutes that he has been – relegated to they're just 15 minutes they're not impactful in the right time 15 minutes okay it's almost as if it's 15 minutes at the YMCA league all right it's not any point of where he is and 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 people like well how do you expect him to play the 15 minutes okay well it would be foolish to say, let's give him five per quarter. That means one of the quarters he's going to have to miss. Okay? You give him three minutes at the beginning of the first quarter. You take him out so he can have two more minutes at the end of the first quarter. But those first three to four minutes, you're running to break a sweat to get yourself in the game. But I've just yanked you off the I just want to touch game. the ball. I just want to touch it a little bit. Get my hand okay. yeah. But I pulled you out now. In three minutes, I might get two touches. Even No matter who okay. you are. You might get two, three touches based on the number of possessions that there go, and not all those are going to be in scoring position. And now I pulled you out. So you can't even get a good sweat going to get into a good rhythm, to even find yourself. Then you're sitting down for darn near another 15 minutes as that first quarter comes to the end. And you put them back in at the end of the first quarter for another two minutes. All right. That's your first five going already right there. Second quarter comes. but well, you pull them out to start the second quarter. You let them play the five minutes in the middle of the second quarter. You let them play the five minutes of the latter part of the second quarter by the mid second quarter. You could be in a situation where you're so far out of the game. Like yesterday was or the day before yesterday was, well, it didn't even matter what minute you played. My problem with this is, Dave, you're getting conflicting messages and stories. Yes. You understand Griff and all these fans, goodness gracious, and these prognosticators, where you're saving for the future in the long term. Well, you know what, David Griffin? I'm Drew Holiday, and I'm J.J. Redick. I'm insulted, quite frankly. There is no tomorrow. Okay? I came down here because we thought and we all agreed that we had a legitimate playoff run in us. If I would have known that this is what we were talking about doing, I might've thought second about if I wanted to come back and play the rest of the season and if I wanted to opt out. All right. The only way you get into basketball shape, it's not by riding a bicycle. It's not by going for a jog for an hour. It's not by running stairs. It's by playing the game of basketball. The only thing that gets you in basketball shape is basketball, not being in basketball practice, because in between games, you're preparing for the next team and going over the opposing team's tendencies. Stop so you're not getting in pauses. Puddles. Yeah. You're coaching, you know, I mean, you're, You're putting in situations, all right? So you can't get into basketball shape. So here was my thing. You're 20 years old. Now, I can't speak for many other people. But I know from the time I was probably nine until I was at minimum 30 years old, I ran and played basketball every day unless it was impossible for me to play basketball on that particular day. If I had some prevailing injury where it prevented me from running up and down a basketball court. And even when I was hurt and I couldn't play because I had a broken wrist, I was still doing conditioning drills as if it was a basketball game. So on one hand, you talk to David and you understand that's great. We're building for the future, but you're also disrespecting those veteran guys who are there now, who want to win now. J.J. Redick, dude, I don't have four or five more years left in me, David Griffin. I'm at my end right now. I want to win right now. Secondly, David is saying build for the future, but at the same point in time, we want to be able to play our best basketball to make a playoff run. It it can't be both of them. Yeah, because he said I want to see this team compete in meaningful games at the end of the season. And that was the one thing he said he was cheated out of, you know, like not cheated, but when the season shut down, it was like, we didn't get to see what they would do over these last 18. And and we feel like we had a run in us. Okay. Everybody's dealing with these circumstances and we'll take that as it is, but that's even everybody's dealing with them. There is, and there's also no travel. So you can't have that. There's no home court advantage. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, and the pelicans quite frankly we know they didn't play well at home anyway so this actually should be a, a benefit to them yeah, exactly. <laughs> at not so, being at home so here's my what, question. Is, what are we doing then yes why are, what we, are there? we doing why again, are you there again goes back to who are we our identity again then you have alvin who comes to speak alvin You can see he's trying to play that political face-up. Well, we we listen to our trainers, and we know Aaron Nelson. Don't get me wrong. We know Aaron Nelson's history of prolonging Grant Hill's career, prolonging Shaq's career. We get all that. We get all the fact that Zion is a different player, the torque on his body. But don't act as if Shaquille O'Neal didn't have torque on his body. Don't act as if big guys – don't act as if Zion is the first – Big guy Chuck? who put torque on his body. Did we all not right? see? And I tell people this all the time go look at the 1984 Olympic trials. There's some video of it. Charles Barkley at 6'5 was carrying 320 pounds of, and was what, the best player at the Olympic trials. Michael Jordan so will don't tell give, you that he was so the best. So don't give me all the excuses. That's what's insulting to me. Stop with the excuses. So Alvin is trying to save face. He's literally caught in the middle of a triangle. You got to appease David Griffin. Yep. You got to make sure you listen to the trainers. Yep. But at the same point in time, you know Zion is like, dude, I want to play. So what, does play. That, what position does that put you in as a head coach? If you want to play your player, your player wants to play, the organization is telling you from two sides, mm-hmm. no – but your job is dependent on the success of your team, and you are also tearing down a man's personal reputation because a you are making him look ineffective as a mm-hmm. manager because you are saying basically you're not in charge here, which is what we still had under Dell Dimps. That was yep. the question: Is Alvin ever in charge? Does he have any say over the roster? Does he have any say in the in the building? Well, now we're back in that position. So if I'm Alvin Gentry, you have take you have stripped me. Of basically in the public's eye, any sense of control that I might have of my team. And you and I both know that a team knows who's in charge. Who's in charge? If the team knows that Alvin ain't making the decisions, (laughs) then the listening changes. They ain't going to let, there it is. They are not going to listen because they know at the end of the day, yeah, you're the coach, but you have no say-so in nothing that goes on It's whatsoever. no different than what we saw in the with the Knicks because they know the yep. coach up there ain't the coach. If bad mm-hmm. teams and mediocre teams, this is where you have the the, the miscommunication. Who is in charge? A general manager's job, a vice president's job, yes, focus on the big term, assemble the roster, but you got to let the coach – Coach, Coach, And if Alvin's going to fail, let him fail where we don't have anything to hedge it on, where we can't say this is part of it and this is part of it. If Alvin's going to fail and you want to have a referendum on whether or not he's a coach for this team, let the man do it his way and either it blows up or or it floats. Now, let me give you the third component. We touched upon Griff. We touched upon Alvin. And then here's the other conflicting part. You talk to Zion after a game, and Zion is like, I'm healthy. I feel good. I'm ready to play. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. hold on. Hold on. We didn't got three different stories. But yet the man, and I get it, you want to keep him from injuring himself. But if he's telling you, I feel fine, give me my minutes. How about this? At the end of a game where you have nothing else to play for, You got Nikhil running around like he's a wild deer that's out of control. And you're getting guys in shape. Why would you not have Zion in there in the fourth quarter just getting a run, just getting a field to build for these next six or seven games that you now have remaining on this bubble? Why not play him? What harm is it going to do? Because let me tell you something. Him sitting there drinking Gatorade, watching the game, definitely is not going to get him in basketball shape. So what do you do then? And I'll say this, too. We both know that there is value in being on the floor at certain times in blowouts because it tests who you are. It tests are you still going to defend when we're down 30? Are you going to stop this from becoming 40? Are you still going to be engaged? Are you running the offense? Are you going for you? Are you trying to do you or are you still trying to, because now if the score is irrelevant and that you get to that point where you say, we acknowledge that the score is irrelevant, that has nothing to do as to whether or not I can still get something out of this. And David, uh, excuse me, Antonio Daniels said that during the broadcast and he was very clear about it that he doesn't believe in garbage minutes in the sense that you should be out there trying to learn something, not relying on what you already do. Well, but doing things that are going to make you better for the next game. You you can still get something out of those minutes late in games. I'm putting you in certain situations. I'm going to see if you're going to run certain plays. I'm going to see if you're going to defend. I'm going to see if you have the resolve. I'm going to see if you're going to be lackadaisical and be nonchalant and not care. Or if you're going to take some initiative and pride and say X, Y, and Z. Again, if Zion is hurt, just put it out there and say he's hurt. End of story. But the being in limbo is what's taxing on everybody. If he's healthy and if he can dress, play him. If he can't, don't dress him. Don't play him. So that way, because here's the other thing about it, Dave. As a veteran, I also get into a certain rhythm when he's not on the court. Then you put him on the court. Now I got to change what it is that I'm doing to be more accommodating to him. And it's not enough time. But then as soon as I do, you pull him out again. Yes. There you go. We run one pick and roll with him. And then a couple possessions go by the way they go by. Because like you said, NBA possession, any sport, your possession is not defined. You don't know exactly what you're going to get out of it. So I ran a pick and roll with Zion. Now two minutes later, hey, you gotta get out. We gotta get out. Lonzo and I never get a rhythm. Drew and, <laughs> and him never get a rhythm. I don't get to run any cross screens on the baseline to free him up. I don't get to do any throws it, throw-ins to him, let him get the gravity of being in the post and yep. having them kick out to open shooters. You got to see none of that from him as a facilitator. You didn't get to see him at the top of the key taking one drive and go to basket because you don't have enough time to set any of that up. So, Dave, here's my confusion (laughs) then. All right. So, during this four-month period... That he was in New Orleans for. Okay. That he was in New Orleans for with the trainers. With the trainers. All right. We also saw pictures of Zion where he was looking like Bane from Batman all right he was chiseled he was rock solid remember let's keep in mind I am 20 years old metabolism high well I am a well-trained premier athlete this is what I have been doing every single day of my life and during this period of COVID, not only have I been training, but I've also been getting the necessary treatment that I need. You are telling us that, hey, Zion looks fantastic in training camp before we head to this bubble. We get, down to the, we get down to the bubble and you are still praising him. 20 years old still. All of a sudden, he has to take a leave of absence for personal reasons. And I can respect that the organization has not told anybody what the personal reasons were. I've business. always, I've always had an issue that I don't like that anybody should know how much you're making as a player. Any dang on way, I don't know how much you make. Why does everybody need to know how much a player make? It's irrelevant. Now they that should because, know amongst each other, right? That's fine. But the outside world, I don't know how much that doctor makes. I don't know how much that supermarket works. I don't like. I don't know. So, so why do you need to know this? But anyway. That's a whole different topic there. But with that being said, you leave the bubble for 13 days. And I get it. Whatever it is that you have going on, so at no time you didn't do any running as you're getting checked every day. No lifting weights. At at no time you did nothing for 13 days straight. So you're telling me at 20 years old, the five month period that you had to get in great shape and work out every day and rehab on whatever it is that's ailing you, that five month period all went down the drain in 13 days at 20 years old. Now, he did. Now, physically, did he look chiseled to you in these first two games? Not did at all. Chiseled? Did, it, no. did, his, did his leaping look, his explosiveness, did you see it? I didn't see he, it. Even on he, the lob that he caught, that was not explosive. Mm-mm. Even when he finished it at the rim, yeah, he has a soft touch, but you didn't see the explosion. I don't need the dunk, but I don't see Mm-mm. the lift. That's what I'm the, saying. The, exactly. That necessary bounce off the floor, you didn't see it, which is leading me to believe, David, in no time in my life, in 13 days, going away from a game, just two weeks ago, because St. Paul started practicing about three or four weeks ago in the gym. One day after practice, I decided, now mind you, this is after me lifting weights for about an hour and a half, which I had just gotten back into a pretty decent rhythm for about a week and a half or so. All right. That first day, I was beyond exhausted, no question. But then you see a week later, bruh, I'm upstairs shooting jumpers and I'm back in the weight room again. Dave, I'm 50 years old, bro. Okay? You can't convince me. At 20 years old, in 13 days, all the work that you have put into this just diminishes and decreases that significantly? Something Dave, ain't right. I, it don't pass Something is not right. right. So either so – there's only three options, right? There's only three options. One, he's more hurt than we know. Yes, right? that's that's number that's one, one. Right. number number two is that Griffin is being overly cautious and wrapping him in bubble wrap for his thinking. And I would say probably thinking because the next season starts in December, most likely that he's saying, I'm just saying that's a I'm just putting it out there. I'm not saying it's logical or makes sense. I'm just saying <laughs> if I'm the, if that's what Griff is saying is because Griff keeps saying the long term, long term, long term, they may be saying I don't want him doing all this crazy stuff for eight games when I got to have him back on the floor in the fall, which, again, doesn't make sense because it's only eight games. Nate, can and, I cut you off on one second? But you're a basketball player. You're I'm saying. It doesn't make player. sense because it's only eight games. So you go to to play eight games and then get a layoff anyway. It's not like 30 games and two months later. It's <laughs> And it's summer league. It's essentially if you had done a full summer league, summer league is about Ten games, right? And then you do ten, 10 game, games, and 10 then you games. come in a preseason, and then you start playing. So it's so not how long usual. do you bubble wrap him? How long do you keep bubble wrapping him? You bubble wrapped him before the season began. You yep. bubble wrapped him to begin the season. Yep. Now you're bubble wrapping him at the beginning of this resurgence, the restart of the league for eight games. When? When you gonna let the boy ball again? And I don't mean to cut you off. That was the second reason I know you're gay because you said three. That was the second reason. He's 20 years old. Go ahead. And then the other part, what I would just say is psychologically, which seems the weirdest part because Zion keeps saying he wants to play is that psychologically, there's some lack of trust in his body that he has, but it doesn't seem that way. Now, so, so to me, the, the only logical thing you can go to Logically. Now, again, that's a presumption on our part. Mm-hmm. The logical thing you could only think is that he's hurt more than you think. Yeah. And, and they are trying to gauge him, trying to assess his, his gait. And because, you know, they changed his running style, which I'll be the first to tell you, I know what that feels like. Excuse me. Because it does tend to put a lot of pressure. On your hips. Yep.
1: When you're turning.
0: I had to relearn how to walk. I mean, my feet were out and I had to learn how to walk with them forward. Exactly. But in that same vein, it didn't stop us from balling. No. Zion is not the first basketball player to carry this kind of weight. And I can guarantee you, if Zion Williamson told Aaron Nelson and David Griffin, listen, I can appreciate what you guys are trying to do. But this sitting on the sideline stuff is it not working for me. This 15-minute stuff is not working for me. I need and want to ball. I understand the long-term picture, the big-picture goals and everything else for me to see. But guys, either let me ball or don't dress me. You don't think David Griffin is gonna say we gotta let him ball. Let me ask you because this. Because here's what's gonna you. happen. Mm-hmm. You're gonna wind up losing him. That's what I was about to ask you. So in three years, they'll obviously they'll do the fourth year extension because they have the rights. And we saw this when we and you and I were very close in on this because you know we were close to the situation, you closer <laughs> than I. But when that fourth year ends and they show up at your house at midnight with the contract, and you and I at the time when AD <laughs> signed his extension, we said that didn't make any sense to sign it None. at midnight. None. Because you had no reason you <laughs> took away all your leverage on the franchise by signing it that quick. <laughs> to make them do the things that you needed them to do to win. That's what we, uh-huh. we said. it then. Yep. So, and look, not only did we say it then, we said it then specifically because even my uncle, who was representing him, said there was no reason to do it. So now you have Zion Williamson who's going to be, unless something changes, and it's got to be really essentially next year because next year is Lonzo's free agency year. Mm-hmm. So if Lonzo ain't happy, if he decides this ain't working for me and he bounces because somebody's going to offer Lonzo a bunch of money. Yep. So if he bounces, you, you have Brandon, you've got Drew on the wrong side of 30 really expensive. Mm-hmm. And you have Zion with Jax, who may never be more than a rotation player. Right. Mikhil, who may not be more than a rotation player. Frank Jackson, maybe Etuan comes back, and then you're stuck drafting a bunch of more kids in a market where the free agents, your your cap is going down for at least this year. hmm You still have no starting big if you right. let favors walk. Right. So (laughs) the future could go, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I don't want people to think I'm a pessimist. But I'm just saying the reality of the business is the future can go from extremely bright to extremely cloudy in a heartbeat. And Dave, how is it that one game before Utah, he's on a minute restriction, but then a day and a half later, well, He's no longer on a minute's restriction. We're going to play him, you know, whatever we feel is best. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got my mind in the blender here. Because you told me you're going to ramp him up with minutes over three games. That's what you said. You, like you did, you said everybody else ramped up over three games. And like you said, on the second one, no minute's restriction, but we're going to watch his fatigue level? And is not part of basketball, running, football, is it? Catch my second win. I gotta get to that level where I catch my second win. Second win to keep going to get over it to better my first part of the wind of conditioning. So and you only get that where playing on the court. That's <laughs> it. That's it. There's no other way to get it, and that is what is so baffling. Just, uh, But again, it goes to something that you and I have been talking about since day one, the lack of communication and transparency. And I'm not saying you have to be. You don't owe it to me or David Grubb. You don't owe it. You don't owe it to anybody. But there is a level of being forthright and saying, listen, guys, we feel exactly what you feel. Here is the situation at hand and why we're doing it. This particular way. But if you're going to do that, that means that Alvin also has to say the exact same thing, and Zion has to say the exact same thing. You can't have three different people with three different stories. You just can't. And again, Dave, I'm going to take it personally. If I'm Drew Holiday, I left my wife, who was about to have another child, and my kid. If I'm JJ Reddick, I left mine as well. We're older veterans. Derek Favors said he's missing two birthdays for his children two, while he's down here. Had I known this is what your intentions really were, despite you telling me we are here to battle and compete for a playoff position, if I would have known you're going to be talking about the future this and the future that, I'd have said, but listen, play the young guys and let them get their run in their time. then. And we'll stay home. And the vets will stay home and y'all do what you got to do. It's insulting to me as a basketball player. When I step on the court, bro, we could lose 81 games. Do you think I'm trying to lose that 82nd game? I'm there to win no matter what the circumstances are and what your plan is. I'm there to win. Not just to go through the motions and plan for two, three years down the road. I may not be here in two or three years, man. And it's the responsibility of the organization to put you in position to win. If you to fail, win. once we put you in that position, that's on the coaching staff and the players. But if you're not giving me full access to my toolbox, and you're telling me to screw in something with a hammer, it ain't going to work. And that's what they keep trying to do is screw things in with hammers. And I don't <laughs> understand it. No, sir. Now, let's, go, you. let's go to this. So now the Pelicans are a game and a half back of nine, of the nine spots. <laughs> they got Memphis today, who's in the eight, and I think it's firmly in the eight. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to get them to knock out of that eight. But right. Portland now, San Antonio now, they've all moved ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And you have to now finish – you have to finish basically two. You have to make up two games in these last six to get past them. I I said from the beginning that Portland was the most dangerous team out of the guy out of the teams outside of eight. I still think that today uh, they may have a harder mm-hmm. schedule than the Pelicans, but I just don't know how motivated this team is going to be, especially if they lose tonight to Memphis. Portland may have a harder road to travel but Portland has the ballers on their team that you are willing to travel with in Dame Lil, CJ McCollum. And now that Nurkic is back and you saw the 30 that he put up yesterday. And that was just them. That early stage of that game was just them trying to rework him back in and get things going. You saw when they got it rolling, boy, did they get it rolling, Dave. So, and I'll give you another one. As crazy and as forfeit as it may seem, Phoenix is also in a position because Phoenix is a half game behind the Pelicans. So Phoenix could very well jump, jump. over the Pelicans because Phoenix is 2-0 and o right now in the bubble. Regardless of who they played, you're still 2-0 and o in that bubble as opposed to being 0-2 in the bubble. And you know in eight games, you 2-0 and o right now, your guys are looking around and like, guys, you know what? we We might be able to pull this off momentum and psychological aspects play a huge fact in this eight in this eight game aau tournament that everybody is in right now okay so they're feeling really good about themselves monty i guarantee you is also saying guys let me tell you something i did this in new orleans we can still pull our way in here and give ourselves a fighting chance and even if you don't make it what does that do Build to your next season where these guys finish off with the right mindset, not on losses. That being said, the Pelicans play against Memphis today. Now, if you think for a minute the lackluster performance that the Pelicans played with a night ago is going to fly against the Memphis Grizzlies. Or even ja what they Morant gave against the Jazz either. That's not going to cut J- it either. Exactly. Hey, I got news for you. John ja Morant. Is going to prove to you why he is the rookie of the year in this league. If he's got to run the Memphis Grizzlies by himself, this young fella, and you did say it a long time ago, this young fella is fearless. He's different, man. He's different. He's just so different, man. He, you know, there's a difference between playing with a chip on your shoulder, but he plays with this. Fire chip.
1: It's in a different.
0: His gut. Like people compared him to Russ a lot because of their physical way that they play, the explosion and all that stuff. Russ mm-hmm. plays with an anger. Yes. there's an anger involved in anger. Russ's game. Yes, yes. For Ja, it's a supreme confidence. Confidence. Of, I know I'm better than any dude that's across from me, <laughs> and it's not. I, I mean, Russ is like, I'm. Do you dare think that you are as good as me? where Jaws like, I know I'm better than you, and now right. I'm going to show you. Show you. And at the same time, get guys like Brandon Clark involved. Get Jaron Jackson Jr. involved. You've got mm-hmm. a veteran big in the middle. You've got veterans on the bench who can help. Dylan Brooks has played fantastic basketball yes. for you this year. They are, quite frankly, what you had hoped the Pelicans would have turned into would this have, season. yes because they are a young team that figured out their identity and decided to stick with it. Once they got John Morant back, they did not change who they were. The mistakes that they make, the games that they lose didn't make them doubt the system. And so that's like looking at, yes, the Pelicans have dominated Memphis this season, but if you look at the body of work, who would you rather be right now? And in addition to that, I guarantee you, and you've been there before, the night before a certain game, you couldn't even sleep. I can assure you, John Morant didn't get no sleep last night because of the fact that they've already got losses down there. You're playing against somebody else who they claim is the competing rookie of the year. You coming out, if the Pelicans – not only have to match Ja Morant's energy, but they have to go beyond and above Ja Morant's energy in this eight-game bubble. Because it starts with Lonzo Bubble, though. That yeah, starts, with starts with Lonzo. It starts with Lonzo Bubble. Absolutely, absolutely, wholeheartedly, it starts with him. But if you think Ja Morant and this Memphis Grizzlies team aren't salivating right now, I got news for you tonight is going to, you are going to find out exactly who the New Orleans Pelicans are or possibly could be depending upon if they are willing to meet the challenge and do it consistently i'm not saying you're not going to have flaws where you you know where you slump off certain things i'm not saying you got to play a perfect basketball game but your pluses overall and i'm not saying plus minus but your good needs to far outweigh your bad. Your effort has to be there, not once the second quarter starts. You see, and I'm so tired of the excuses of, well, we got off to a slow start. That should disturb you. You should be tired of getting off to a slow start and putting yourself in this hole that you keep finding yourself in. But because it's a very all simple it does reason, is it too. Cr- it's really simple, I hate to interrupt, but it's really simple. No, the good- you get off the bad starts because you don't defend. You give up 30 plus because you don't defend. You give up 40 in a second quarter because you don't defend. You gave up 45 to the, to the same team in the second quarter earlier this season. You've broken so many records this season on points allowed in a quarter, points allowed in a half, points allowed in a loss, point, biggest margin of loss, all these things. You give up team records every other damn night. To other teams. You let the Clippers make a 25 threes in a game, something they a never record. done. It all starts on that end. You get Set off a bad starts because you don't stop people. And Dave, you know what is happening? You want to talk about, as we've talked about before, the identity and culture. It is now in your psyche one of dejection. You're becoming accustomed to the losing. You're becoming accustomed to the slow start. That energy level, you don't ever see, even in the games that the Pels are in or that the Pels have won, you never see an edge. You never see a bounce. You never see that level that says, yeah, we're on to something. It's always... A snarl. You know what I mean? Like that. Don't do that you will not come in here and do this to us they you don't never take see a it. stand take a stand as a team their body language it never displays that so when i tell people about the pluses and the minuses listen pluses and minuses and analytics have always been a part of sports. What do people think they, that we do when we're sitting in a room in a scouting report and a coach is going over, they're shooting X, Y, Z percentage from this particular area here. They're, this has been a part. It has just now, because of this age that we live in, it wants to be glamorized. It's accessible. Yeah, and, you know, and, 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 and those who have not played on a high level want to make themselves – more engaged and valuable but at the end of the day basketball purist we can look at something on a basketball court and regardless of a plus or a minus know exactly who this team is and what they are doing or what they aren't doing i don't need to look at a stat sheet to figure this out if every time utah comes down and they're feeding the post to Rudy Gobert, and it's never, ever defended, even if he's not scoring Your defense has to adjust, and is creating other shots. I don't need a stat sheet to see if you don't stop this ball from getting in this paint, nothing else matters. If you don't defend and get out of transition, nothing else matters. And, Dave, I kid you not, I saw something Going back to Zion real quickly, I saw something the other night when the Lakers were playing against Toronto, which ironically enough, and and I'm pretty sure you saw the same thing I did and I even reposted it as well. There was one possession out of many where the ball maybe touched the floor maybe three times at the most with Toronto on offense. Though everybody on that team had a touch and when I tell you, this shot was so wide open that they got on a regular basis by making the Lakers defend and play. Nick Nurse has done a fantastic job without Kawhi Leonard being there. And, and, you know, and, and, and people give, don't get me wrong, Kawhi was a deciding factor. But you cannot undermine what this Toronto Raptors basketball team does from a defensive perspective. And you can see They like playing defense. They enjoy it. And they hold each other accountable. But that being said, my point was about LeBron. Because if you remember, when LeBron came into the league, remember, he was a freak of nature, too. We have never seen anything like LeBron. But LeBron, at 18, 19 years old, wasn't missing any games. But anyway, 17, 18 years in the league against Toronto the other night. The Lakers get a rebound. All of a sudden, The first person out of the gate sprinting down the right sideline was LeBron James. The one thing that you very rarely see the Pelicans do or you see Zion ever do is run. You remember in high school, Dave, or even as little kids playing pokeball, every coach we ever had was, get wide and run those wings. Get wide and run those wings. If your point guard is coming up the floor, there's no need for you to be bunched in and get close to him. Get wide and run those wings. Two lanes, on each, lane. two two lanes. lanes on each side. Two lanes on each side of the point guard. When have you seen Zion ever just break out and get ahead of the pack? It usually, you you know, don't I'm, ever see him. Yeah, it usually comes off of only off of a turnover or if he's up top guarding somebody a big up top. But, yeah, they had 11 fast break points in two games. Eleven fast break points in the first game—that cannot happen for a team that expects to score 120 a night. That—and if you have to score 120 a night to win games, you are in trouble. And people will talk this stuff about Houston or Golden State or what? Golden State played defense. Go look it up. Golden State played defense. Go look. The Houston Golden State was top two defense for all Golden their championships State except the last was one. Top two defense. That's what they predicated their offense off of, putting you in very uncomfortable positions for us to hurry up and get the ball back over so we can have some fun on the offensive end to score on you quickly. And if you stop us in transition, we got Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson trailing from behind who's going to pull up for three because you've already been sucked all the way in. Or, they can, one way one, or another, they can take one or two dribbles and get to the mid-range and knock that and down. Get to the main, bro. Until you – the thing that's frustrating as a basketball purist, where is your energy level? Where is your bounce? Where is your joy to be on the court playing? Dave, if you know you got eight games for your livelihood, this is what you put out on the floor? You got eight left. Now six. Now six. You – yeah, now six. But you dictate your fate. You said all season long, the Memphis Grizzlies aren't better than us, and they, des- they don't deserve to be in the eighth spot, and we beat them twice. Okay, that, that is a true statement. You have beat them twice. But they're in the eighth spot. Like it or not, they're in eight. It's not up to them to catch you. It's up to you to catch them. So you can determine your fate for the play-in game, and this is how you come out. This is what you do. The NBA set it up for you and for everybody to see Zion Williamson. For 15 minutes in two games? 15 minutes? Advertisers ain't happy, that's for sure. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> the league ain't happy, that's for sure. All right, let's move on. Um, all right, uh, well, first let me just give you give you your chance to predict tonight. Pelicans or Memphis. Ooh. You know, the emotional part of me the warning part of me knowing what we could be I, I hope the Pelicans will prove me wrong and play with with, with, with some sense of Quijones I hope they do I, I really hope they do but Dave, if they do not come out the gate and send a clear message, if they do not come out of the gate and let it be known, despite these first two games, we are still going to compete at a high level. And if they don't supersede, not just match, but if they don't supersede Ja Morant's energy, there's no way the Pelicans are going to win this game. This I'm ain't sorry. a gut-check game. game. It's a pride game. It's a pride game. What pride do you like take to They in have profession? not shown me – they have not given me a reason or shown me that they can win this game tonight. They no. just haven't. No. They just haven't. And they're going to be I'm, favored in all these six. But, yeah. And I'll be happy – I'll be happy to be proven wrong. But let me tell you, even against Utah, Utah didn't even play their best basketball. And we acting like there was a moral victory. No, no, no. All right? No. Utah didn't – Donovan Mitchell didn't even get going. All they right? They got nothing from the bench other than Clarkson. They got literally no other points from the bench other than Clarkson. Mitchell played okay. They didn't have Boyan Bogdanovich, who was murdered Mitchell. you in two games. Angels right. didn't go off. It wasn't like no. he went off. You just didn't play. You didn't play. You didn't seize the opportunity. You gave Mike Conley, who was really playing on one leg at this point. Mike Conley is, is washed as an elite player. He can be a role player, but he ain't elite anymore. He's not. And he got 20 on you. I said it at the end of the game. The Utah Jazz didn't beat the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans beat the New Orleans Pelicans. All right, because you had every, you had every, and again, I'm not going to even just put it up like this. The fact that Brandon Ingram had to make that shot in order for you to win is sad because you shouldn't have even been in that position to begin with against a Utah wounded Jazz basketball team. That you had a double digit lead on. You shouldn't have even been in that position. In the second half.
1: You okay. had a double-digit lead in
0: the half. And I half. think what happens more than anything else, Dave, so many of these fans, they, you know, they come from an emotional standpoint instead of understanding the game. Leave your emotions out of it. Let me give you the basketball breakdown of it. They do not look like they want to compete, nor they have an edge to compete. And 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 and, and, and again, even if these six games are favorable for you you don't think those opposing teams are going to come out with an edge of saying you know what they haven't won at all so far let's keep it that way and they're tired of the they're tired of the hype they're tired of hearing about Zion they're tired of hearing about Lonzo they're tired of hearing about the Pelicans and these teams got are going to take it personal and they want to come down there and embarrass the Quite the shit out of them and treat them. You know, I mean, that's just the simple fact of it, and all that. And you put on the fact on the chance that they're not really chasing eight. If they get to eight, that's fine. But all these guys know is I want to be nine. So if you get to nine, at the very least, they're all saying we can. Like you said, now all of them are in position to jump past <laughs> the Pelicans. So Dang. then, the only thing you're looking for if you're the Pelicans is a lottery pick that you don't need in a draft that you can't. Unless you can get a top three again, you're getting a lottery pick that you don't need. To get San Antonio, done. San Antonio is playing without Lamarcus Aldridge. Okay, who they don't have out. They don't really have anybody in the post, but Pirtle has stepped up and is out that, there eating cats up. And you got a guy. And Greg Popovich, who I love dearly, who is a mastermind genius. They have gone down there and won two. Phoenix has gone down there and won two. And I'm telling you, you know you've been in this position before. When you get a taste of success and winning, even though you weren't expected <laughs> to even be there, now all of a sudden you're like, fellas. We didn't win these two. Why not see if we can go ahead and rush it away? Shit, nobody gave us a shot to begin with. And what are you doing? You come down there and you win your first two. It doesn't matter who you played. You were supposed to lose to them as well. You yep. won your first two games, and now you are kind of salivating at the palate in the sense of, hey, why not? Let's just give it a shot and see a different mentality as opposed to. Losing the first two, and you got to convince yourself that you can get this one now. And in two more games, you could, you're going to be talking about teams that are mathematically eliminated. Elimin- yeah. So when you talk about or teams that have secured their spot, once the Lakers wrap up that one, they're going to ramp down as far as LeBron's minutes, AD's minutes. The starters are gonna rest more. So then that impacts the Pelicans because the teams that play the Lakers are now getting it easier. (laughs) The Clippers, if they once they clinch their second seed, Dallas is already (laughs) locked in the clinch the seed, but they can still move up to six. So you got teams, and then on the east, once Washington's done and they say, All right, we're ready to go home, because you know they're ready already. Mm -hmm. So that affects who they play. That if Orlando, it affects how they treat it. Because once Orlando's got the eight locked up and now they've lost Jonathan Isaac, they're not going to be trying to get anybody else hurt. Yeah. It, don't, it don't do them no favors <laughs> no, to try hard over the last eight games. I mean, last six absolutely. games that they've got their spot yeah, locked. Absolutely. So all those things impact the Pelicans mm-hmm. as well. So even if they do win six, that might not be enough. That might not be enough. You control and determine your own fate, and you had the chance. It was presented right here in front of you. Just even if you were one and one in these games, we knew it was going to be a tough clip against the Clippers. No question. They are a very – dude, did you see Patrick Beverly's confidence shooting three-o's on us now? Patrick Beverly, he's shooting threes on us. Bro, they were bringing the last – dude, they were bringing the walk-ons. Remember the dude who hit number 25? He, I don't think he I don't even remember his name. And the cat was the whole team is coming off the bit. That's the walk on. They bring it on the dudes that don't even and was like, go ahead and shoot They was telling them all, just shoot it, shoot it, get 25. They knew, they knew the number. They're like, get one more, go. That's right. You let dudes who ain't played get in and get confidence. Dude. They, I'm telling you, bro, they literally made me sick to watch them against the Clippers. I was nauseous. Like, really, by the time, like, I looked up and there was still, like, six minutes left in the third. And I was like, we got to watch a whole quarter and a half of this? I was hoping that I was wrong. Like, I was looking at the screen like maybe the (laughs) clock is wrong. But it was, like, 549 and they were down by 37 points. And I'm like – I gotta watch eighteen more minutes of this, and it's just gonna be worse. Like, please let this be over with. Please, for the love of basketball, let it stop. <laughs> as of right now, looking at the yeah. at, at the Western Congress, looking at the East, I was, I am not as impressed with the Lakers as other people. We saw, and I, I people would take this as like us being petty, but. We saw Anthony Davis in game two. We saw him fail to impose his will in his second game. He failed to make, easy, make the game easy for himself. Now, it's one thing to get 20 points in, in the first quarter and score another big bunch in the third quarter against the Clippers. Again, the team that had no interior defense really, fine. Game two, all of a sudden, where are you against Toronto. Why are mm-hmm. you why are you running out as a seven-footer jumping up at jump shooters and getting fouls? Why mm-hmm. are you doing that? Why are you not in the post ever against the team that you should be quicker than Ibaka? You should be quicker than Gasol. You should be quicker than anybody they throw at you on that block, and you disappeared in a game that could be the team you face in the finals. In the NBA finals. Yep. Yes. That's why I can't. You cannot get me on board with saying the Lakers are a heavy favorite when you got Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith, and some of these cats, and then you are relying on Anthony Davis to carry you because they're going to be nights when LeBron is fatigued because no matter what, you ain't getting two weeks for playoff rounds. He's going to get fatigued, and you're going to rely on A.D., and he's still the same dude. A leopard doesn't change his spots at night you are who you are <laughs> okay. so so ad has just totally abandoned the post it's non-existent he it, it is so foreign to him that he will run through the post just to get to the other side to not be in the post even when he has an advantage okay that being said you didn't meet the challenge when Toronto did. You see, Toronto met the challenge with an attitude like, y'all are getting all this praise because you got AD and LeBron. But well, I got news for you. We're tougher than what you are. And because we're tougher than what you are is the exact same reason why the Clippers will beat the Lakers when it matters the most because they're just tougher than what – Portland, if Portland gets the eight, I could see Portland beating the Lakers in seven. Absolutely, because they have no answer for C.J. Nordane, No answers. All and right. now with Nurkic back, and, and then would, take Mello, and Mello can – look, Mello – there's one thing about Mello. When he sees LeBron on the other side of the floor, Mello shows up. I've not seen it in his career where Mello and LeBron didn't get together and Mello don't at least be respectable in his showing. Correct. Correct. So, Dave, I'm with you 110%. Everybody is enamored because of LeBron and A.D.'s talent together. Oh, wow, guys, there are things that go beyond talent. And this is what the Blazers show you. This is what the Clippers show you. This is what the Toronto Raptors show you. Milwaukee. Milwaukee as well. And Milwaukee is doing it without one of their best guards right now. And Eric Bledsoe, from a defensive standpoint, you don't worry about Eric Bledsoe scoring because you've got firepower. It's the other intangible aspects that Eric Bledsoe brings. Not to mention when you find Kyle Corver wide open for shots because he knows how to get to his spots to get those shots up. They're also playing without Connaughton, so you know the Lakers again. Like the Pels, they are who they are, and the Lakers are who they are. There's an extra edge that you need to have, and that was great that LeBron met the challenge against Kawhi towards the end of the game. That was, hey, that was very rare was very, and unique. It was great individual defense. That's what you, but that's what everybody wants. That's what you clamor for. Those are the matchups that you and I grew up on watching. The best taking on the best, with no hesitation whatsoever. But you still, even in spite of that, you still know Kawhi will take advantage. Because you saw what he Uh, did against the Pelicans. Like, what shot could Kawhi not get against the (laughs) Pelicans? Everywhere he wanted to be. He was Visa. He was everywhere he wanted to be. Everywhere. With no, and, 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 and he makes it a point that you aren't going to prevent him from getting the shot that he wants to get. If I want to take you to the cup, I will take you to the cup. If I want to pull up and shoot a mid-range jumper, I will do that. If I want to shoot a long-range three ball, I will do that. But here's the scary thing for the league. Once Paul George and Kawhi are playing at that high clip together at the same time, Dave. You That's a scary situation. In. That's the whole thing is when you put those three, when you have Pat Bear at the top, Kawhi and Paul George on the wings, and Harold is on the floor protecting the rim, and they're sending out whomever they choose at the four at that particular moment. You are not going to get buckets, Hey, You because got you cannot there, you cannot throw a post entry pass. They can switch one through five. They and got that, over there, and they all and they all know. Doc Rivers has made it clear: you don't <laughs> step on the floor if you don't defend. <laughs> and that is where the Pelicans have to get. You don't step on the floor yep. unless you defend, because everything else comes from that. The best teams in this league. The reason the Milwaukee Bucks were on pace to win seventy plus games this season is because they defended at an obscenely high level. Absolutely, and gave them because they could withstand Brook Lopez shooting under thirty percent from three. They could withstand shooting slumps by anybody else. But what they're not do the worried Bucks about do? when Chris Middleton when Chris Middleton has an off night. They're not the least bit concerned about it they because they ain't they're giving, they're giving up points in the paint. They ain't letting you get to the free nope. throw line, and they are getting out in transition when they want to. And if you give it to Giannis, he's gonna finish and the thing that always that people need to keep remembering too is for all the talk that they do. And I I hate making it like this, but all the talk they do about AD's got guard skills and all that. Who has better guard skills as a big man than Giannis? Who has better guard skills as a big man than Giannis from driving to passing to creating for himself and others. Who's who, what big have you seen better than Giannis doing that? In addition to now, He's shooting a three ball with confidence from feet beyond the arc. Okay. With he did confidence. Three steps behind the arc against the Pelicans pulled up. What's so funny about that is remember he came in, not even being able to do that. Ben Simmons, on the other hand, with all the talent in the world still cannot do it. So as I tell people, you know what that tells me the Greek freak, put in the work and psychologically not only hopes he can make the shot he believes and knows he's gonna make the shot because he, hates, he put in. here's the other he thing hates right. every other player in the league as far as nobody like that's what he goes in there and say i'm not telling people how i train i ain't telling you what i work on i'm, I'm not, not working I'm with nobody it's just me and my brothers in a gym <laughs> <laughs> doing what we do, and then, like, he told everybody before, during the thing when he was like, I really didn't get to pick up a ball during the hiatus. And then, as soon as he showed up, I'm lying, I played every damn day. Yeah. <laughs> that's Giannis, and that's why I love that dude. And dude. if you got one, you better hold on to him. I'm not supposed to tell you what I did during my hiatus, it's my, my hiatus. other dudes are over there playing Call of Duty. This dude was trying to think about, and- I'm going to take a championship to Milwaukee. And the same way he looked rocked up during this hiatus, he looked rocked up when the bubble opened up, Okay, It ain't all of a sudden just disappear. You saw him in the weight room getting it in, and then he came into the bubble like this dude. If you think the Greek freak ain't been working on his game, okay. You keep thinking that if you want to. And then the other thing that I liked about them as well, yesterday when they lost, did you see the way he walked off the court? Mm He ain't here for this, man. He ain't here for no losses. (laughs) He's not here for this. That's the tenacity you need to have. I don't think Giannis takes vacations. Have you Uh, ever seen, like, a bunch of pictures of him on the beach or something? On the boat or hanging out? I don't think Giannis takes vacations. I think – this dude, like we always keep talking about the Mamba mentality. Who's going to be the dude to take it over? No one in the league is closer to Kobe Bryant's mindset than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Very well could be. Very well who, could be at who that would you level. say is, is, that, is, is cl- at that close with the, well, skill no question, level, with the skill level? the competitiveness, and the desire Bruh. to get better all the time. Name another and, player in the league, especially Dave, twenty-five, twenty-six, and under, who's even close to that. Here's the thing about it: you've seen. The continual improvement from Giannis every single season that he's been in the league, he has added another element, and that's that Kobe-esque mentality. He has added another aspect to his repertoire that lets you know this guy is committed to putting in the work. The footwork in the, the post. the footwork uh, in the post. He had, like you said, he had none of that when he came in. None that's of that. The Bucks were putting him out facing so he could drive. Now nobody is a better post scorer than this he, dude either. He's he can give it def- to And let's not forget this, Dave. What's the other thing that he does? He plays defense and will come from the weak side and get you. He defends. He defends.
1: And he's not he takes just not shot
0: blocking shots. Like you say, he clears when he gets it wide, he is deterring you from even attempt and that is so much a part of interior defense too so that when people say then that's what the thing is with Gobert and that was the thing with Mutombo and that's the thing with the great rim protectors of all time it's not only that they can block your shot they get you thinking about it before you even put the ball on it. the ground yeah it's you like, do I really want these problems? Can I do this? Everybody ain't Vince Carter. Everybody ain't Michael Jordan. Everybody ain't putting one of them dudes in the rim. You got to think about whether or not you want to roll up on Giannis or Rudy Gobert or those kinds of guys. And there's not a single dude on the Pelicans, including Zion Williamson, that you got to worry about running up on in the paint. Those are guys that you're thinking about already. Do I, like you said, do I want to make this decision with my life? Even in transition, when you have the ball and you are you are already looking, is he closing? Is he closing? Because <laughs> that's seven feet running at you with them strides. You hearing the footsteps? You hearing them footsteps? Is he closing? You looking, <laughs> and you know it. basketball, all of a sudden, once you all look, of a sudden, all of a sudden you got a lane to the basket. You're like, let me go ahead and pull it back out. Let's just run some offense. <laughs> or I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the slow up and hope he runs into me. But, <laughs> You're done, and that's you have to get to that level. Drew, again, Drew is a great on-ball defender, and people don't want to deal with him in that regard. Right, but there are four other guys on the court. True, indeed, and the other four guys are not being guarded by Drew Holiday, bro, and they have to step up. And one guy who's been criticized, and rightfully so, Derek Favors, um, has not played well in these two games. Um, played a little bit better for moments in the second one, but still, there's not there wasn't a lot there. He's had great games against Memphis. My whole thing with Derek has been this. If he's playing 35 minutes, that's too much. That's he's uh-huh. not fit for the team in that regard. But when you have nothing at the rim and he is as good an interior defender as he has, you gotta at least have a good 25 minutes out of Derek. Yeah. And they're not getting a solid 25 right now. I'm not one to catapult him out of here. I don't I don't think you're going to end up paying him 18 million next year or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you can't sit him either. Because no. if you sit him, it's a track meet through your lane and people will put up 70 as yeah. they have on the Pelicans this season. Absolutely. They, you know, it's 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 one of those situations where I just have felt like <sighs> for The individual talent that the Pelicans have on their team, they haven't been put in successful, useful team situations overall. That's great that, you know, Lonzo has improved his shooting. But it doesn't necessarily mean that every time you get a good look, you shoot it. That's not smart basketball, especially when you're not making them right now at this particular clip. Or okay, inside you got, either, going two for, or int- going o for 9 or 2 for 9 inside the arc. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you have to understand that. So people want to predicate, well, we got a good team because you see individual talent every now and then. It doesn't mean that the pieces work together. It doesn't mean that they know what each other is doing. You know, that's fine that you got 10 fingers right here. But if they all don't do this – <laughs> there's no interlocking. If you got two that's in here and one that's over here, it's it, it's not going to work. And that's what happens. They always seem disjointed. As if they don't know what each other does best for the team's success. It's almost as if they aren't being as if they aren't being coached properly. And they and they aren't put in the situations. You know, yes, as a player, it's up to me to execute but as a coach, it's your job to put them in positions to be effectively executed. And the five guys standing on the perimeter just doesn't work. It just, it just doesn't. Now, like to see, I like that. yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, that's fine if you got five guys on the perimeter, Dave, but you have this. Guys make a pass, and I'm cutting all the way through another side of the lane. Or guys make a pass, and I'm going to go set an off-ball screen. Movement. Because we end up seeing two guys in the same place for the Pelicans too much.
1: And that, to
0: me, is – that is not on the coaching to me. That part – now, certainly there's some things not being coached well, but when you end up with two guys in the same place, you don't know your play. Because that should never happen. You don't know – and if you do know the play, you don't know how to react when it breaks. Because as much as I can write up a play as a coach, the important part is – the reaction to what the defense does as an Mm -hmm. offensive player. If I'm not the one with the ball, I can't change what the defense is doing. But by my movement, I can. And people keep forgetting that creating space is not just a function of shooting. It is a function of player and ball movement. Ball movement. Absolutely. I used to tell – matter of fact, I still do. I tell kids all the time now, I go, listen, even if you forget what the play is, that's fine. Don't worry about that. Just move. Find open spaces. Find open spaces. I'm like, we will reset if we need to. But don't just pass the ball and just stand there. Or don't be opposite of the ball and just watching what's going on on the other side of the court. Screen away. Cut. Do something. (laughs) Just make the defenders adjust to you. Because if you are standing, you are doing the defense a favor. A favor. You are do- you I are- don't have to get in my stance. I don't have to move. I can watch I ain't the ball work. and recover. I don't have to work. I don't have to do nothing. If I got two I- guys on the opposite side of the floor offensively who are not engaged, then I have what I have done is effectively killed my offense. Because in the but- 80s, you could get away with that. I could put two guys on the other side, throw it in to my big man and let him work. hmm You ain't got big men like that now. Nope. Now you so if, if you're standing, you are not a threat. You are not a threat. You're not even, you're not even a fake decoy threat. You're even standing out the Corner out here. three is supposed to come from movement. The corner three is supposed to be: I'm in that arc area. And when the ball is, I'm able to slide down in that spot because my defender at the arc is dropping in to stop penetration, which leaves this vacated space in the corner for me to shoot the three. So you're yes, not standing there waiting for that shot in the corner, except in transition, when you run out to that spot in the half court, it's supposed to come from movement. That to me is one of the main things that I learned when I got to college as a wing player, my assistant coach, God knows I love this man to death. Boy, he taught me basketball like there was no tomorrow. The great George living big guy. So he used to call him big guy. Let me tell you something. If you dump the ball inside the post to Randy Grant or Brett coffee and your defender, sags down to go and help and your bigs kick that ball back out to you and that defender runs to the same spot where you were when you dumped it in I'm pulling you out the game that's because you are not moving once you dump it inside that defender who drops off of you when they run back thinking you're in that same spot They're supposed to be on their hands, wondering where the hell did you go? You need to move. And it doesn't mean only move when you have the ball. A real scorer, an effective scorer, moves even when he doesn't have the basketball in his hand. Because you're constantly thinking about how do I make the next pass easier? Like you say, even if I don't have the ball, if it's going to be coming from that side, if somebody is throwing it cross-court, how do I make that distance as short as possible? If it's going to swing back across, where am I going to be? If my big man is coming across the lane, where do I need to be in position to throw him an entry pass? All those things are about movement and reaction. And if you don't understand those things, if you cannot get up, like you said, if the defense knows where you are at all times, then you are a waste. You have you're the only person who people should know all the time is if you are Shaquille O'Neal and you can't <laughs> do nothing but say that big ol' foe is going to be on that block all right. game long. Right. Right. But if you can't keep this behind where he's supposed to be. If you're a perimeter player and the defense knows where you are all the time, you are ineffective. I got to sit you. You are not helping our offense whatsoever. As a matter of fact, you're doing more – if anything, you are helping the defense more than you are helping our offense. If I know that every time you're going to catch it, you're going to shoot it from that spot, you're not helping the, your, your offense. Yes. Predictability, just because you have tendencies. <laughs> everybody's got tendencies. <laughs> tendencies, yes. You are yes. not supposed to be predictable. Yes, sir. And if yes, once sir. I figure you out, and I know it's just like uh, a defender, you know, when they're watching a crossover oh, he always does this before he brings it back to the point. Yep. Okay, now once I figure that out and you don't change it up, if your rhythm is the same every time, then you're going <laughs> to get stripped and I'm going the other way for two. That's like my ex-fiancee, she watched games with me every now and again. This is when I was on the West Coast. She'd watch a game with me every now and again. And while we we're watching the game, I'd go, he's going to drive baseline. He's going to go to the middle. And she'd be like, How'd you know he's going to do that? I go, well, you can see by his feet. Every time he does something, when he's driving to the baseline, his left leg is always back here when he makes the catch on this. So even though he's going to fake like he's going left, he's always going to baseline because that's his go-to. And she's just like, I go, but again, you got to understand this is a lot of time watching tendencies. This is a lot of video breakdown. This is what goes on when you are watching video. You're not just watching video to say, Hey, let's watch the game or what happened yesterday. No, you are putting your teammates in positions for them to be effective. This is the reason why you have scouting reports. This is the reason why you're going over this. This is the reason why you need to have your bigs who are pulling you through sometimes when they come out and they're hedging on the screen. People don't understand that because they look at the game. They don't dissect and understand the game and that's you know that's one of like we were talking about earlier to begin with on the podcast brother which again thanks for having me on man because you know of course i always love talking with you brother but you know that's the thing that makes you who you are you focus on those things you break those components down in order for your team to be effective you spend the time in there you're not just watching a game you're looking at What is actually transpiring? You know what? Had I dropped off from my defender just one more foot in that passing lane, this point guard wouldn't have been able to get through. We had rotate. You're looking at ways that you can have an advantage to win games. You know, you hear people go, oh, well, you know, this team was only, you know, a turnover away from a win or a loss. Well, that's what great teams do. Great teams figure it out and they execute at the end of games. That's the other thing that Pelicans do terribly. When they are in the clutch. terrible in the clutch and piss poor execution, Dave. And you know, games come down to those executionable moments at the end. Can you do what you do best? But again, when it goes up to the Pelicans, what do we do best? Who knows? Who knows? What do we do? And that's the identity that we have to have. So, Again, the Lakers, no, I don't I – don't, if I'm the Clippers, even if the Lakers beat me, I don't fear them because I know we can turn it on and they can't. I just know we can. Uh, the Raptors, the Raptors are proving to everybody that there's a reason why they were, I want to say, what, 22 and, and three without Kawhi when Kawhi was in Toronto. Like So don't diminish us. As if Kawhi was the reason why he—he he was a huge component. Don't get me wrong, but now even when you see Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry plays with a different edge now that he's won a championship. And Fred VanVleet, yeah, Fred VanVleet, absolutely. see Siakam, I mean, just you know, they play with a different mindset now, you know. And when—and then you know how it is, when you're a winner, you got a different edge about you, bro. And especially when you feel like you're being disrespected now. You're the defending champs, and no one wants to talk about you Ooh! because of one dude. And you're saying, We're a, we are a damn good team. Look, we may not have seven all-stars. We may not have yep. the biggest payroll. But tell me out of my starting five, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look, if you Toronto, you wheel out your starting five, and you say, how many are better than what we got from right. one to five? Right. How many? How many guys have played in more big games than my guys one through five? Because I got a box. You know, they know where each other is going to be on that court. You can see it. Yes. Trust. Yes, Dave. Accountability. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, my brother. Yeah. You can have all the plays you want to write up. You ain't got no trust. (laughs) You ain't got no accountability. You ain't got no wins. Am I I right? It ain't brain surgery. It ain't brain surgery. Am I right? Because isn't that what, like, every team that you've seen, what was the change before they became great? We go back, and I love that, hey, we can run on this as long as I want because it's my podcast and I don't give a damn. But Absolutely. You go back. Let's, let's go to what we consider the, the – let's do the last – let's do the LeBron era since he's been in the league, okay? Uh-huh. It's 16 years. And you look at the champs. When the Lakers switched and got Paul, Paul Gasol and, and that group, Kobe had trust. And Lamar, he had trust in Powell. He had Mm -hmm. trust in Metal World Peace. Trusted Derek Fisher. Trusted accountability. Went across the board. Went across the board. Celtics trust and accountability. Pistons trust and accountability. Spurs trust and accountability. Warriors trust and accountability. LeBron in the Heat trust and accountability. So until you get those things, and the Pelicans have neither. None of it. It is the consistent theme. Dave, even when you mentioned San Antonio just now, they don't have the players, but you know what? They, they got have trust, trust and accountability, and, got- <laughs> and Greg Popovich. <laughs> and with each other. Because you <laughs> know Timmy is sitting there on that sideline. <laughs> Becky Hamlin is sitting there on that sideline. And DeMar DeRozan is a pro. And Lonnie Walker is a pro. And DeJounte hey, and Murray is a pro. Even when it came to Becky Hammond running the team during the scrimmages, right? People don't understand what that was about. Trust. Trust. When he let Tim coach the team when he that let, night. Trust. Dave, hey, it's you know our right philosophy. Here. Just because <laughs> it's a different voice, our philosophy <laughs> does not change. It does not change. And until trust. you get that. The Pelicans are still a wobbly table. Trust. Still putting salt packets and sweet and low to try to balance them out. Absolutely, brother. And it starts defensively, and defense is all about trust. Yeah. (laughs) I know what you're going to do when I move. I trust that if I get caught on an island, you got my back, and I got your back once you get my back. he's got my back on the back. There you go. It's everybody. And then if you don't do it, you come in over here on the sideline, and we are telling you. And for all the things that Rajon Rondo was not, not, at the very least, that dude held everybody in that yes, locker room accountable for the stuff that they did on and off the court. And that was a dude at 3 a.m. sending them videos and saying, you see where you messed up tonight on that D? Hey, you see that? What? What made him even better was not only did he hold the players accountable, he would jump Alvin's behind. Okay? And people, he would like, jump on Alvin. People will forget. They're like, look, people don't remember. Boogie and Rondo were at each other's throats at each on other a regular yes. basis. Yes. And the main reason on that was Rondo could not stand the fact that Boogie wouldn't try on defense. Yep. The whole thing, the beef between them, was about defensive effort. And Rondo yep. was like, you ain't going to keep doing this to us. You can't, <laughs> you, you're the only one on the starting lineup that ain't trying on defense. Yep. You, you know. Uh, and it t- got real. Um, that beef got real. It was seriously contentious. So people who want to play this, this game about when how, how, how upbeat and happy that team was, no, that team had a, a nasty dog at the top of it who yeah. told Drew, this is what we're doing, who told A.D., this is what we're doing, who told <laughs> – and when Boogie was gone, I'm telling you this, and I'm going to say anybody who challenges me, i find people to back it up. When Boogie left, Rondo said that was the best thing that happened to that team ha- because they yep. were finally going to be able to defend people. Yep. Because they still and, didn't have and, no problem scoring after the And again, gone. Alvin even used to acquiesce to Rajon, bruh, okay? Alvin would acquiesce as the head coach, which wasn't hard to do or anything like that. But the point of it being is the fact that, bruh, leadership is everything. And we still to this day, Dave, let's be honest, who is the leader of this basketball team for the Pelicans? Who? Because JJ is not that guy because he's he never be. been a voice. He can't be, and even if he is loud and a veteran and good, and JJ is all those things, your sixth or seventh man cannot be the leader of your no, team. No, sir, it can't be.
1: It, it has to be. be
0: one of your top two, three guys. It has to be, and the reason that when you look at uh, you look at Golden State and people will – now look. You, can, you can, we can insult Draymond, you can do whatever you want about that dude. But there's no question that Draymond Green was the leader, is the leader Hands of down. that team. He Hands was down. the only guy on that roster. And for a long time, he was the number three. Until Durant mm-hmm. came along, he was the, in the top three. In three, exactly. exactly. And we talk about a defensive player of the year, we talk about an all star. And the vocal and emotional pulse of That's that franchise. Tone. Setting the tone. Clay quiet, Steph quiet, KD quiet. Setting the tone and the culture and the identity of who we are going to be. And yes, all, Clay and Steph are assassins, but they aren't the kind of antagonistic killers that a Draymond Green is. And that we don't time, need Draymond to put up numbers like like Clay and Steph do. Draymond's role is. To literally be the enforcer. And to, be everywhere. And be everywhere. Be our image. Be our culture. You think because we in the Bay Area and we got these two light-skinned dudes that we saw. I got news for you. We, it, they put enough dudes around him. Iggy wasn't soft. Bogut wasn't soft. You put you those things. But the center of it was Draymond because when there was scrap, Draymond showed up. You You knock Shep down, Draymond shows up. You put your hands on clay, Draymond shows up. You try to drive the paint, Draymond shows up. So that's how you set your tone as the leader, not just by your voice, but being there and having your teammates know that dude is not just talking that life. That dude is living that life, and he does it for this team. Draymond is all about that team. The Golden State Warriors might as well be his gang. Because that dude yep. is blood in, blood out. Absolutely. And the Pelicans n- have never had anybody. Just not one dude who they has just ever build. been, and Chris Paul was the closest you had to it, and they ruined it. You've got to have that blood in, blood out dude. Speaking of which, Chris Paul. MVP in another season. If it were a different season, he'd be the MVP. Bruh, the leadership that this man has shown this season for an OKC basketball team where originally everybody thought was going to crumble. The other thing that you never heard, you know, this, this is something that's always agitated me with the Pals, too. You've never heard an OKC with all the transition that they had or some many other teams, well, just give it some time. Well, just give it some time. Well, just give it some time. Guys, it's a basketball. We understand what goes on with this basketball. All right? But CP, like, why is it that we always got to wait time? So you mean to tell me you come together and you don't know what to do? It's basketball. But you see, here's the difference. You have a leader in Chris Paul, not only in his voice, but in his actions and directing. An OKC basketball team, I guarantee you, if you ask the majority of people other than Chris Paul, Shea Giltris, and uh, Danilo Gallinari, nobody knows who is on the OKC basketball team. I mean, You know Steven Adams. Everybody knows Steven Adams. But, yeah, but, they, you, they, again, people thought they were going to finish 13th or lower in the West. And they're number six right now, six. five. So, I mean, they could climb up to three. They have the Dang. ability to climb up to three. This is the best job that Chris Paul has done in his NBA career. He makes Billy Donovan look like a good coach. Here's the other thing. He's allowed Billy Donovan to also coach. You see, when you had Russell and you had KD, guys who were up in their contracts also coming up and so on and so forth, you can't try to control and dictate to those guys. But as crazy as it may sound, Chris Paul, who originally – didn't want to be there and was trying to buy to get a trade all of a sudden. And it's true what they say, as you know, as well, winning cures all ailments. And all of a sudden this team was like, okay, listen, maybe we don't have any superstars, but hell, we got guys that are willing to trust each other. There's that word again. We trust each other and we're going to play for each other and let this dude who has all the experience in the world as a point guard and who knows the game, let's let him lead us. And what was the biggest adjustment they made this season? They went to the three guard lineup when they figured out we don't have enough playmaking at the at certain spots. At certain so spots. We can be a little bit smaller because Shea is you got Shea, CP3, six, and Schroeder. Shea is about 6'6. Schroeder's about 6'3, Chris is 6'1. Mm-hmm. But yeah. all of them can take you off the dribble. Or get, yep. at least get to that spot. Because Chris ain't as fast as he used to be, but he gets to his spot. He's still effective. He's and he's strong. You don't want to be on his hip. And he's a hell of a mid-range guy as well. Yep, a All killer right. in the mid-range. And All he right. can finish. It's, and he, he gets, can finished. He's going to finish. And you got a dude in Steven Adams who looks rejuvenated, who's still a bruiser, who's still dominant. Then you got Danilo Gallinari who can shoot it from anywhere. Bro, these guys have all bought in, and they get Roberson back, who is an elite defender. And if he can hit the shot, hit a couple shots for them, that's a huge twenty-five minutes a night for them. You're still bringing Nerland Noel off the bench. You can get a couple of shot blocks for you, a few, and grab offensive boards. A very good offensive rebounder. Bro, do you want to play Oklahoma City in the first round? You do not want to play OKC in the first round. And again, hey. Not once. The only time I ever hear of a team saying, it's going to take us some time, it's got to jail, it's right here in New Orleans every year. Every year. Nobody else goes in with that mentality. You got the Miami Heat who added Jimmy Butler. You didn't hear Eric Sposter and them say, well, listen, let's give it some time, and even though we're losing right now, Jimmy and them went down there with the thought process of, we're going to win right now. Because you Ain't think no about time. it, too. I hadn't thought about that, but you think about it. Bam Adebayo's in his third season, right? Yes. Um, Duncan Robinson is what, second season? Second season. And Talahera, a rookie. You got uh, Nunn, who's a rookie. All these dudes are playing big minutes for them. Um, Goran Dragic's at the at the back end of his career. Not, right. You know, no longer an all-star level player, but still a very effective guy for you in mm-hmm. spurts. Mm-hmm. And a um, I don't know, like so you have a team that has a lot of young components too. But like you said, they bought in, they <laughs> found out the system that works for them, and they all believe in it. And so that's what you get. And it like you said, youth is not an excuse for them. They no. have youth, they have plenty of youth on yes. their team. And the only real veterans you're talking about in their main rotation is Iguodala, Butler, and Dragic. Everybody else is... He ain't playing is... no big minutes? No. He ain't and, not playing no big minutes? But he's there for experience. That's what he's exactly. there for. So exactly. the majority of that team is relatively led by young guys. And Jimmy Butler sat down very early on to begin with, with his early morning workouts as well. Him buying into Coach Spoh's mindset of, ten- of, of tenacity and toughness than the other guys. What did they start doing? Following his lead. That's what I just... I, I, the Pelicans have to find a leader. And they I need to find consistency. The excuse, they, and and they've never had it. The they've never had it. Never. They just haven't. Not since Chris. Not since Chris and D. West. Because those two Thank dudes you, are man. leaders. Chris and D-West were leaders, but they it have just, not had one since. And it literally disgusts me. It makes my stomach nauseous, bro. It just does. Like, I don't I, – I, 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 I just don't get it. I just right. don't get it. I mean, like, yeah, potential-wise, this is a team that could be top three in the NBA potential-wise, talent-wise on paper. But mentally, it's going to be the thing that defines them, and – they don't have a lot of time to grow up now because next season is so close. And quite yeah. frankly, like we said, the decisions that have to get made next year financially, it, if, unless let's, – let's say – okay, let's say you bring Alvin back. Okay, let's say that happens. Yeah. And then everybody <laughs> again is in a contract year. Uh-huh. What you going to get? Or you bring in a guy like, let's say, Kenny Atkinson. And he sets a new culture. Very similar offensive principles, which wouldn't be a problem. Mm -hmm. But he's gonna set a different culture. That also gives guys the opportunity to not buy in, too. So, no matter what, at the end of this upcoming season, they're going to be personnel losses for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. And so the window is not at this point because of the parts they're missing is not as wide as we may have thought it was when we first saw this group on paper. And let me add this other component for you as well, Dave. It's not like other players are vying to come to New Orleans. It's not like other players also aren't watching the way Zion is being handled as well. And favors is not happy. JJ doesn't look happy. Do I want to do I want to go down there in that situation? Going on a hope? Dude, it looks and, and and I use this a lot to get people to understand. The optics of it all don't look good. The optics of it. That's what's look. You're looking at A vet who has been in the league as long as J.J. has looking dejected, laying on the sideline like, are you serious? This is what is happening and what I am sitting here to have to take. Dave, that's a hard pill to swallow, bro. That's not something that you typically see in a regular season loss when somebody's face looks like that. That's a a, we got swept out the playoffs look. You know what I'm saying? And to see that in a regular season game,
1: that and tells game you how,
0: that tells you how bad that feeling was for him. Because, again, that's a pro's pro right there. Hey, that did not look good. And I'm not voting JJ. No, 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 I'm no, no. I'm no. from the standpoint of, dude, that's, dis- that's a look of disgust. And, res- and resignation, too. There's some resignation in that, like, we ain't going to win six in a row like, like this. I mean, like, yeah. that, that's that's J.J.'s – this is not – we ain't going to playoffs. Like, like, he saw his playoffs do this, burn and, and – and Right in front of going. his eyes. And that's what that look was. It's over. Now, I think J.J. will come out and compete tonight. But he's got to – but to separate that feeling and get it back tonight, then all those other guys need to be feeling that for J.J. too and be like, if he's, if he, if this dude is feeling like he's, he was about to quit, man, we owe him. At the very least, we owe ourselves. Even if you lose the next six in a row, you got to come out, out there battle. with your asses on fire. Come out and battle. Battle. I don't want to hear the same post-game interview. Well, we got off to a slow start, and you know, we turned about – Dude, we know all this already. We, we have tried heard real the hard. same I'm not song and dance over and over and over and over and over. Brother, or ain't, are you tired of having post games interviews saying the same thing over and over again? Look, look, how many times have I heard them? How many times? That's why You know me. I don't ask the same questions every every <laughs> damn game as everybody else. But I was. I know this part too. Is it's gotten to the point where you do almost feel like it's a waste of time post-game. It's gotten to that point where it's like – Dude, don't here. even come out. You ain't got to yeah. don't even worry about it. You ain't I don't even out, want – I have about. to do it to fill out my story, but I really don't feel like answered, asking these questions because I know what's going to be said. And this is know the answers, though. This is not learning how to tie your shoes. This isn't how to, learning how to sit on the potty. It's not riding your bike. You don't get applauded as a pro for a good effort. Your job is to win. That's why it's called professional basketball. It's a business of winning and losing. It is That's now. It. and it, The rest of it, yes, it's entertainment. But they keep standings for a reason. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> right. You know, I mean, and, and Dave, I'm sorry. I, 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 I know you being the competitor that you are as well. If I'm a veteran and I keep hearing y'all talk about the future, Dude, get me out of here then, man. The future get always me out has, of here. You don't you don't sabotage the future, but the future is now, too. I want to win uh, now. Don't tell it's like, yeah, in the NFL where they say, Well, we're gonna lose this season because we need a quarterback. Well, I'm out I'm the one out here getting my ass whooped in the trenches so you can get a number one pick. Nah, again? dude. Dude, no. Cause then no. if I don't get my numbers, you're gonna hold that against me because you put yeah. a bad team out here. And that nope, stuff is every level of any sport if a player feels like i ain't got no chance now there's some guys that we know this it's a job i happen to be really good at this i don't love it as much as this guy does but i'm really good at it and i want to play and like any job right but the people who want to win it is it is damn near an obsession winning basketball just happens to be the venue through which you compete. But competing is something that you either do or don't. If Dang. I'm writing, I'm competing. If I'm on this podcast, I'm competing. If we if we're playing checkers, I'm competing. Basketball just happens to be the venue <laughs> for that competitor. Am I lying? Bruh, that's the truth of the matter. There ain't, there ain't, no, there ain't no if and buts about it, bro. I mean, that's the only way I, I would. We would be doing the game of basketball a disservice if we just went out here and say, "That's oh, my job and in three hours. I'm gonna get my check and I'm gonna go home." I can't do that. And some again, guys can, and that's fine as long as you perform. If you do your job, but you don't love it, but you just you right. meet your expectations. Good cool. day. Again, like I said, if we are O in 81, if you think I'm going out here on that 82nd game. With any less drive or motivation to win? Excuse me. I will take one in 81 over zero in 82 any day of the week, bro. I cannot allow myself. And I'm going to have the same intensity in game one that I have in game 81. If I got to cuss everybody out on that bench, we cannot End our season like this. We are not, and I'm going to call you a bunch of choice words. You can get in your feelings however you want to get in your feelings. Coach Biz Dillick, you ain't got to say nothing. I got it from here. That's the other thing that you don't ever see from this team either, Dave. You don't ever see guys getting in each other's faces. Or even in the opponent's faces. Like, it's not you going to let people walk in your house and reach your bad couch? Thing. And you ain't it's punching. not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Because here's the thing about it. Dave, if I know you are a dominant post player, if I know you can knock down shots from anywhere, it's my job to call you out. What are you doing, bro? I need you to do X, Y, Z right now. Like, what are you waiting for? Where are you? Wake up. Let's go. I'm not insulting you as a person. I'm depending upon you. I need you for us to win. Because I know what, like you said, I know what you are capable of. So I expect you to at least perform to that level. At the very least, you need to be performing up to your capabilities. I don't need 50 from you every night, but give me my 15, dog. I'm (laughs) not calling you out your name. I'm I'm not demeaning you as a person. Dude, I'm telling you, we need you. That's predicated off of what you have shown us that you can do. But now I need it every single night from you because we're going to go as you go. If you give us nothing, guess what? We get nothing. Now, if you can't handle that, you shouldn't be in competitive sports then. You shouldn't be. Bruh. So tonight, what are the <laughs> Pelicans going to do? Dave, I just don't know, brother. I don't know.
1: I, I just know. don't
0: know. I wouldn't bet it. I'm, not, I'm never betting money on the Pelican. Not this group oh. this year. I ain't putting no money on the stickers. because you don't know. You know, They can win broke. by 30. They can lose by 30. They can lose by one. I'm already broke during this pandemic. I don't need to go. I don't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be sleeping in my truck. Bruh. This team. <laughs> we go, and the thing is, we're going to keep watching. And we're going to keep evaluating. And. Yeah. I just I, – as long as folks know, look, this is not personal, man. We ain't trying – nothing that no. we said here. Nothing, nothing that we, we said is personal. We better for them. We see better. We know they can be better. Just be that, man. Just be that. And I think the Yay. fans deserve better. Um, But I think fans, too, if you think these eight games are going to change your overall perception of the team, then you're also fooling yourself. Yeah, I agree. Because this this situation in and of itself means nothing. It means nothing. No. This is like like you said. I think the the best thing that you said in all of this was they are fundamentally not different than who they were before. This is <laughs> this is a continuation <laughs> in that regard of who they were. We didn't lose any perspective because I still know. If I go up and down this roster, I still know Lonzo's inconsistent from night to night. I still know Drew ha- uh, will be passive as a scorer. I still know that Favors doesn't really have an outside shot. I still the – only, the only question mark we have is what the fuck is going on with Zion Williams. That's it? That's the only one. That's it? That, that is it. That, that is it as a whole. So let me ask you this. I know you probably want to wrap up soon. Yeah, MVP. Who you got MVP? Giannis. Giannis. Who you got his de- defense? I would give it to Giannis, but it's going to AD. And I don't <laughs> get that because I tell people again, and it's not personal either. When I watch Anthony Davis defensively, first of all, he's not the defender he was two years ago. No, he's not at all. Pelicans. He's not. And, he's, and if you're really honest with people, people who paid attention his whole career in the Pelicans, He's not the defender that he was his first three years. When he came Pelicans. into the league, he was all about defensive dominance. And quite frankly, I don't see why Giannis – because I have Giannis down as my defensive player of the year as well. They won't in, give it in my to him. Book, in my book, I have him as MVP and defensive player of the year. They won't give it to him. Oh, I know, I, I know the they The Lakers got to get something. You know yeah, what I'm saying? They absolutely. Lakers – Absolutely. you got to acquiesce and placate the Lakers. No question about it. As sad as that sounds, you got to do the political thing and all that other nonsense. But Giannis, when you look at his clip defensively overall, hand down, it's Giannis. And who impacts a game more than Giannis from that defensive side of the bat? I could take Giannis and put him on the Lakers, and they're better. Oh, easily. They're better. Easily, I put AD on the Bucks. They are not better. They are nowhere near better. Nowhere as near because he is not an impactful game changer. And at all. I don't, I don't usually like that argument, but because the roles that they play essentially are very similar, they are, are or similar to yes. position. And mm-hmm. you would, I, I would just say that if I took Anthony Davis and put him on the Bucks, and I swapped those two spots, Giannis would give me. He would still be giving me thirty. 14-7, and seven, even with LeBron, and I, t- uh, AD ain't giving me 30, 14, and 7. Giannis would still time. be – Giannis would be still just as dominant. Why? Because that's just Giannis. End of story. You would Cut never have dry. to worry. If you told Giannis, we need you to play center tonight, he'll do it. <laughs> he'll, do it. he'll do it. He'll do it without yep. question. He won't say, that's that what well, they asked me, hope. if you need me to, I'll go on the block – Giannis be like, I love the block. You know how many people I get to dunk on on the block? I'm going to own the block. I be the block. I, I be the block. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, All right. That's the difference to me is that I ain't. Giannis to me is. it's it, The distance is starting to grow between him and every other player in the league. And, and it's has, so. Dave, it's so apparent, bro. It's so apparent. And here's the scary thing. There is still more to come from the young fella because of his desire and his work ethic. You see it. You see it. I said this the other day when I was talking to my cousin. I go, seriously? For as great as Giannis is right now, I said he hasn't even reached his peak. I said, watch him. At 29. Watch him in two more years when his arsenal and repertoire is just limitless. Bro, the league is on notice. It is scary. Your sixth man, who you got? Sixth man of the year. Hmm, that, that's a more difficult one. There's a lot of good candidates this year. I kind of want to give it to Lou Will again, but... Ooh. I, See, I, I, I thought... Think, i go with... I thought, uh, uh, I, you tell me. You give me yours. You give me yours. In all honesty, last season, I had Trez more than I did Luke. I love Trez. Okay. Love Tres. Last season, well, Tres I. Trez was averaging what? 19 and 7? 19 and bruh, Last season, I, I, thought, I thought it was Trez last season. I, you want to talk like about Tres. somebody's attitude that is infectious on a team? And he produces. He doesn't do anything to hurt your team ever. He plays with this tenacity. So, you know, I thought Trez should have gotten it last season. I think Lou will get it again this season, even though Lou got it last season. I wish Trez would have gotten it last year. But I, I really can't see anybody else that has major league stood out in that fashion outside of, you know, outside of chicken wings, Lou. Yep, and then so coach of the year, I think it's going to go to Vogel for some reason, though I don't think he should get it. I think the coach of the, the real coach of the year is, is – I would say it goes to uh, your boy Memphis. I'd give it to oh, him. Okay, see, I was thinking the coach of the year, Nick Nurse, as crazy as it may sound. Because no, Nick won- Nurse got a legit, legit case. Okay, because you lost a huge component in an MVP player in Kawhi, but your team has only gotten better. Your team has gotten better. Uh, no question, I like what uh, they've done in Memphis. You know, you can't take credit away from Vogel because, yeah, you do have two superstars on that team, and, you know, for you to be able to come in after being away from the game for the period that you were, you were pretty much told that Jason Kidd's going to take your job any choice. damn way. You know, I mean, so, yeah, but I I feel like Nick Nurse is that guy. Nick I, I Nurse is a do. hell of a basketball coach. Let me tell you something else. I can even give you – I can even put Billy Donovan up in there for what he's done in OKC. Mm-hmm. He's done a fantastic job in OKC. Yes, he has. I mean he he really, really has, bro. When you think could, about like you said, that. This could have been this could have been a tank season. This could have been, we got all these picks. Sam Preston got all these picks for us. We could have tanked this out. We could have been just a, bought out CP three and just <laughs> You ready? This could have been a well, we're thinking big picture in the long term. <laughs> We protected our asset in Shade, <laughs> Alexander. That's our number – because that's the number one asset they got out that deal. So and, the- you know, don't keep. And, again, I'm like, as a player, how do you not take that as an info? So I'm just running up and down for nothing then, bro? Like, dude, so you're telling me we aren't here to win now? Then why did I – why did you tell me this in advance then? Otherwise, I wouldn't have came here. I want to win now. I want to win today. Because tomorrow is not promised. At the very least, if I was the Pelicans and I didn't want him to lose some time, and I don't know how plausible this is because you're not trying to be intrusive on anybody, but, and he's got time to, I would have sent somebody from the medical team to the town, wherever Zion went. If he went to Spartanburg, wherever he went to go be with his family. And I'd be like, I'm going to be in this hotel here. And we got this gym. Or I got weight, I'm bringing shit with whatever on the plane or the car, whatever I had to bring, however I had to get here. I whatever go buy we shit. need to do. If we got to rent out a 24-hour you know, gym and, and rent it and be in there by ourselves, whatever whatever local college we got to get into to get in their weight room, we're going to work every day. And we're going to get in the you. gym and keep you going every day. For an, if, if, even if it's just an hour, an hour and a half, if it's at the end of the night, if it's midnight, and you got to come in here because that's, uh, that's what great players do anyway. Day in and the gym Dave, at midnight. let's think about this. Because if nothing else, whatever is going on in your life, that hour and a half in the gym allows you to relax and get your mind away. Because you know as well as I know, basketball has always solved every problem that I've had in my life. Always. Always solved every problem I have ever had in my life. So much so that no matter what, Dave, I travel with my basketball everywhere I go. It doesn't matter. This, right here, saves my life. It strengthens my life. It relaxes my life. This round basketball, right here, has always, always made everything better. Always has. So whatever stresses that I had going on in my life, I know I could get away, get up some shots, And I'm going to feel better about whatever it is that's going on. Whatever it is. We're going to watch them put up some shots tonight. Let's see if we feel better about the Pelicans. Uh, We're going to wrap up there. Dino, tell them how they can follow you. And you know we're going to be working on some stuff in the future. I got plans for you. You got plans, (laughs) dog. We're going to do some things. (laughs) But tell them how they can follow you. And we're going to be back soon with this. Yeah, my brother. We have to own the game not just from a podcast standpoint but it's a necessary right now that is needed in sports given what is going on with radio as a whole and the elimination of vocal personalities that have been going on as you know you know since 2017 when i was first let go from cumulus and i started seeing it happening and uh, you know the, the 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 level and need of sports because it is such a part of our lifestyles, not just you and I, but the countries, the culture, mm-hmm. the, the the world as a whole. That being said, I look forward to the, the great things that are in store for us because it's, it's, you know, it's, again, it goes beyond the statistics and that's what we bring to the table, always have, and whether people like it or not, this is what it is. We're going to give you the truth. We're going to give you the reality of it. So. That being said, even though I'm taking a break from social media right now, as I have mentioned, as difficult as it is, uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dino Hoops 11, number 11. And on Facebook, Dino the Dean Hansen. And, you know, I try to do what I can to stay off of Twitter right now because I don't want to keep getting into it with people who aren't mm-hmm. understanding the way the game works. Some kind of way I get sucked back in every now and again and stuff like that. But, yeah, man, uh, I appreciate you, my brother. I appreciate the grind. Like I said, please give my sister all my best for the sister-in-law and everything. Tell the little gorgeous, intelligent Natalia I said hello as well, my brother. And you know it is all love, all respect, one hundred, always to you, my man. Day one, man. Day one. Yes, and sir. we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get there, bro. Is it like, it, like you said – I think what is, is needed and necessary, and not just this market, but in sports conversation, is more honesty, um, more perspectives, and people who are willing not to just jump on hot takes, but to give <laughs> fans something substantive to chew on. Like, I mean, it's one thing to just throw opinions out there, but, man, right. what, what are you taking away from it? And if you right. don't take you – can, you can disagree with what we say. You can agree with it. But I tell you what, you ain't never going to be able to say we didn't back it up. Absolutely not. And we aren't going to just spew out facts for you. We're going to break down the game, the intricacies of what's going on, how and and not only what's going on, but how to correct it. Mm -hmm. You know, how to resolve the issues. So absolutely, my brother, it's all love, man. And, you know. Love what you're doing always, my brother. You know that, man. Put like this. As much of a hiatus as I have taken during this period of time, you know, you're, about the, you're the only one that could get me back on talking <laughs> sports and basketball, bro. I'm serious. Damn, think about it. You haven't heard me anywhere. Mm-hmm. I haven't been doing anything. Nope. Even though I've had people call me, I want you know, I'm like, I can't do it right now. There are more important things that are going on with my life, us as a people, as a whole, in society. So mm-hmm. I've been, putting a lot of my attention and focus on that man but you're the only one that can get me out brother the only one <laughs> hey because you know how we're gonna do it you know how we're gonna do it and i appreciate it and i love yes you sir, for my it brother. and it's it any it the next time is still too far away you know what i'm saying absolutely my brother all right so i'm gonna wrap there thank y'all so much for listening uh this is hard in the pain with david grubb follow me at dm grubb on twitter and Instagram. You can also follow the show at H-I-T-P with D Grub, and go to my website, H-I-T-P with DG.com. Get you some merch, man. That stuff is dope. I'm telling you, you're going to dig it. And we got Very more new stuff coming this week. We got more new stuff coming this week. So check it out. For Dino, the Dean Hansen, I am David Grubb, and this has been Hard to Paint. Talk to you later.